This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wal'aqibatu lil muttaqeen. Wal'a'udwana illa ala al-zalimeen. Wa ashadu an la ilaha illa allahu wahdahu la sharika lahu waliyu al-salihin. وأشهد أن نبينا محمد عبده ورسوله النبي المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Today is the 26th day of Ramadan of the 1441 of the Hijrah of our Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and so therefore today is the 26th reading session and sitting of the reading and commentary of Tafsir al-Jalalain by the two illustrious Imams Jalaluddin al-Mahalli and Jalaluddin al-Suyuti alayhima rahmatullahi ta'ala And yesterday in our recitation and reading of the Qur'an and its tafsir we finished Surah Qaf and so today we begin with Surah Al-Dhariyat which is towards the very end of the 26th juz of the Qur'an and as you can see today Ismail isn't with us because of some pre-existing commitments that he had that he was unable to get out of, so I have been very kindly and graciously joined by Hamza, who has agreed to, inshallah ta'ala, assist me with today's reading. And today's session, therefore, will be slightly different in the sense that I will be doing the reading of the Arabic, the Qur'an, and Hamza will be reading the English, the translation, and the commentary as found in the book of Tafsirul Jalalain. So, inshallah ta'ala, with that, we will begin. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم اغفر لشيخنا ولوالدينا ولجميع المسلمين قال المصلف رحمه الله تعالى في تفسير سورة الداريات سورة الداريات so this is the 51st surah of the Qur'an, surah al-Dhariyat. And the name of Dhariyat comes from the first verse. Comes from the first verse and that is al-Dhariyat. It is a Makki surah as mentioned by the author, rahimahullah ta'ala. And that is the position of one of the scholars of tafsir as mentioned by al-Imam al-Qurtubi, rahimahullah ta'ala. A'udhu billahi min shaytan rajim بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذاريات ذروا By the scattering scattering meaning the winds which scatter the dust and other things فالحاملات وقرا and those bearing weighty loads i.e. the clouds which bear water فالجاريات يسرا and those speeding along with ease referring to the ships which sail with the winds across the surface of the seas فالمقسمات أمرا and those apportioning the command i.e. the angels who distribute provision, rain, and other things between different lands and people with ease. So these are the first four verses that Allah Azza wa Jal begins Surah Al-Dhariyat with. And they are a number of oaths that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes. And we've already mentioned previously in the surahs of the Qur'an in which we've discussed the oaths of Allah Azza wa Jal that Allah takes an oath by something in the Qur'an to denote its importance. And to show the importance of what Allah Azza wa Jal is going to be speaking about for which He has taken that oath. And the oaths of the Qur'an are of in broad, two general broad categories. The first is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes an oath by something and he names that thing. 
very clearly. Wal-fajr, by the dawn. Wal-duha, by the time of the day, that is, the mid-morning. Wal-asr, by time, and so on and so forth. Allah Azza wa takes an oath by something, by its name, and therefore it is clearly and widely understood. The second type of oath in the Qur'an, as we've already uh, had examples of also in the Qur'an, is where Allah Azza wa takes an oath by something, but by way of description, by attributes, and not by names. And this is an example of that, and the previous example of this was in Surah As-Safat, where Allah Azza wa doesn't say by the angels, He says, وَالصَّافَاتِ Safa, by those that line up in ranks. And that can refer to different things, which is why sometimes you have a number of tafasir concerning what it is referring to. And that is because Allah takes an oath by something, by its description. And another example, or perhaps the most famous example of this in the Qur'an, which is why there is a good deal of difference of opinion amongst the scholars of tafsir concerning what it's referring to, is in Surah Al-Adiyat. وَالْعَادِيَاتِ ضَبْحًا As we will mention, inshaAllah ta'ala, when we come to that Surah of the Qur'an in the final juz of the book of Allah Azza The point here being that these are two types of broad categories. One, Allah takes an oath by its name. The other, Allah Azza wa takes an oath by its description. Where the oath is done by its description or taken by its description, you will find therefore differences of opinion amongst some of the scholars of tafsir concerning some of those attributes and what they reference and what they refer to. And one of the ways that the scholars then have to determine if Allah Azza wa describes something, what is it that he's taking an oath by? is by looking at other similar verses in the Qur'an that fit the same description. So for example, in Allah statement in first, the first verse, وَالذَّارِيَاتِ ذَرْبَى By the scatterers, scattering. What else in the Qur'an does Allah describe with that attribute, as scattering? And if we were to look in the Qur'an, we would see that Allah describes it as being the wind. فَأَصْبَحَ هَشِيمًا تَذْرُوهُ الْرِيَاحِ As Allah says in Surah Al-Kahf. So the word تَذْرُوح is the verb of the word thariyat. And so that's why the scholars say that it is the winds. Verse number two, those bearing weighty loads. What is that referring to? And you have a number of different opinions amongst the scholars. Some of them said it is ships, some of them said it is other things. But the opinion that the majority chose is that it is clouds. Because Allah says elsewhere in the Quran, thiqala. So Allah describes them as being weighty. As Allah Azza wa describes the clouds being weighty. Where there is a greater difference of opinion on is the third verse. yusra, And those speeding along with ease. Many of the scholars of tafsir hold the position that the author rahimahullah has chosen. That it refers to ships. But Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah and his student Ibn Al-Qayyim alayhima rahmatullahi ta'ala. They chose the position that this is referring to the stars. yusra, The stars. As they are moving around in the heavens. And they chose that position, Ibn Al-Qayyim Ta'ala said, because when Allah Azza wa is taking an oath by a number of things here in the Qur'an, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala is taking an oath by those things which come closer and closer to Him, Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. So Allah Azza wa begins with the wind, which is on the earth, and then the clouds, which are above it. And then it makes sense that Allah Azza wa instead of coming back down for the ships, He continues to ascend in His creation. Because the oaths are being taken to show Allah's power over his creation and in his universe. So the next thing is the, is the stars. And then in verse number 4, it will be the angels. And that is his understanding of these verses. And Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. What you are promised regarding the resurrection and other things is certainly true. 
The judgment, i.e. the repayment after the reckoning, will certainly take place. And so verse number 5 and 6 then are the jawabul qasr. As we said before, when Allah takes an oath by something in the Qur'an, that oath has to be taken for something. When you say, by Allah, by Allah what? What is it that you're taking the oath for? What Allah is taking the oath for here in Surah Al-Dhariyat is Allah's promise. And the promise of Allah that is true is Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And that is why we said elsewhere in the Qur'an that when often or sometimes like in Surah Sa'd and Qaf, the position of those scholars who said that Allah takes an oath, but what He takes an oath for is hidden. He doesn't mention it explicitly, it is implicitly implied. A number of those scholars said that it refers to Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Because Allah Azza often when He takes an oath by something in the Qur'an, it is to prove one of a few things. Either the truthfulness of the Qur'an or the Prophet Wasallam, or the establishment of Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. By heaven with its oscillating orbits, i.e. there are paths through it in the same way as there are paths through the desert sand. So in verse number 7, Allah Azza wa Jal takes an oath by the, by the heavens and what is within the heavens. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that in Hubuk. And the scholars have a number of opinions as to what that means and all of them when brought together mean the same thing. And that is to show Allah's ability and His beauty of the creation of the heavens. The first of those meanings is what the author Ta'ala says, that they have their own orbit. And the example that he gave here, there are paths through it in the same way as there are paths through the desert sand, is basically saying that just as if you go to the desert and the wind makes ripples in the sand, or if you were to go to the ocean and the sea and the wind causes ripples, Upon the surface of the water, that's what he's referring to. That's what he means in his commentary, Rahimahullah Ta'ala. That it has its own paths that are preordained. Just as in the desert, there are ripples that you see by the power of the wind, by the command of Allah Azza wa That is one opinion. The second opinion is that the meaning of that in Hubuk is that it is perfectly created. Perfect in its creation. So Allah Azza wa swears and takes an oath by the heavens that are perfect in their creation. And the third meaning that some of the scholars mention is that they are extremely beautiful. Allah's creation of the heavens are full of beauty and splendor. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so therefore all three meanings are similar because all of them speak about Allah Azza wa Jal's power and His beauty of creation. Jalla fi ula. Innakum lafi muqtanif. You, people of Mecca, certainly have different beliefs. Meaning you say different things about the Prophet and the Qur'an. It was said that he was a poet, magician, and soothsayer. And the Qur'an was poetry, magic, with soothsaying. Averted from it, i.e. or him, meaning from belief in the Prophet or the Qur'an. Is he who is averted, i.e. turned aside from guidance and the foreknowledge of Allah? In verse number 9, Allah says, Meaning the one that has been turned away from the guidance, is the one who is truly astray. Like we often say, if you've been misguided from this, then you're, there's no hope for you. That's what Allah Azza wa is saying. The one who has misguided and has been misguided from this path, he is the one who has truly been led astray. That is the greatest type of misguidance. And there is no misguidance worse than that one. Death to the conjecturers, meaning may the lies be cursed. They are the ones with different beliefs. Those who flounder in a glut of ignorance, i.e. and are unmindful of the business of the next world.
يسألون أيان يوم الدين. Asking when is the day of judgment. We ask the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم this out of mockery. يومهم على النار يفتنون. On the day they are tormented by the fire, they are punished in it, and the following will be said to them whilst they are being punished. ذوقوا فتنتكم هذا الذي كنتم به تستعجلون. Taste your torment. This is what you are trying to hasten to. In this world, that's mockery. إن المتقين في جنات وعيون. The people who are God-fearing will be among gardens and fountains. آخذين ما آتاهم ربهم إنهم كانوا قبل ذلك محسنين. Receiving what their Lord has given them, meaning obtaining in the garden the good things and the reward their Lord had promised them. Certainly before that, i.e. before they entered the garden, they were good doers in this world. In this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, آخذين ما آتاهم ربهم. Verse 16 of Surah Al-Dhariyat. They will receive what their Lord has given to them. And the scholars have two different tafsir. The first is the one that you see by the author, Rahimahullah Ta'ala al-Mahalli, that refers to the reward that they will receive. We see what the Lord has given to them, meaning the reward that they will receive on Yawm al-Qiyamah. The second position is the position of Imam al-Tabari, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, and that is that they receive the commandments that Allah has given them. What the Lord has given them, meaning the commandments that Allah has placed upon them. And both of them are similar in tafsir. And this is common as a methodology of tafsir that some of the scholars will mention the cause and others the reward, the consequence. So some of them mention the action by which someone attains something and others refer to the reward that they get as a result of the action that they perform. And that is a common methodology amongst the scholars of tafsir. كَانُوا قَلِيلًا مِنَ اللَّيْلِ مَا يَهْجَعُونَ the part of the night they spent asleep was small, meaning they slept for a short portion of the night and prayed for the majority of it. And they would seek for forgiveness before the dawn, with the words, O oh Allah, forgive us. In verse 17 and 18, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now goes on to mention a number of the attributes of the muhsineen. Allah says in verse 16, they were muhsineen. Who are the muhsineen? Allah gives us a number of attributes from them, is that they don't spend or they spend only a short part of their night asleep, meaning they spend a deal, a good deal of it, awake in salah. And as we mentioned before in, in other verses of the Qur'an, in Surah Al-Isra, when Allah Azzawajal speaks about the night prayer, the scholars differ as to whether it's referring to Qiyamul Layl, which is the position of many of them. And some of them said it refers to the Isha prayer, because the Prophet ﷺ would often delay the Salat al-Isha late. He would pray towards the end of its time, as opposed to the other obligatory prayers that he would pray towards the beginning of their time. And the Prophet ﷺ once came out amongst the companions, and they were dozing off and extremely tired. And the Prophet ﷺ said, were it not that it would be difficult for my ummah, this is when I would pray Isha, meaning that I would delay it. And the Prophet ﷺ would often wait to see the companions. If they gathered early, he would pray it earlier. And if they were slow in gathering, meaning in the masjid, then he would pray later. وَبِالْأَسْحَارِهُمْ يَسْتَغْفِرُونَ Allah says in verse 18, and they make istighfar, before the dawn. The sahar is the same thing that we call suhoor in Ramadan. And suhoor is the period of time that is just before fajr. Just before fajr. That is called ashar. So the common mistake that many people commit or make in the month of Ramadan is that they have their suhoor meal, for example, at midnight or 1 a.m. 
or at a period two or three hours before Fajr, and they do it with the intention of suhoor. That is not suhoor, and it is not the virtue or the reward of suhoor that is mentioned in the sunnah, that it being a time of barakah. That suhoor period is the time before Fajr. That period of time in Arabic is known as suhoor, and that is what Allah Azza wa is praising. These are people who pray during the night and then after they finish their prayer and as they're waiting for Fajr to come in, as the Prophet ﷺ would often do, he would lie down and he would have a short rest. And as they are doing that time in that short period of time, they make istighfar and they turn to Allah and seek forgiveness from Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَفِي أَمْوَالِهِمْ And beggars and the destitute. I refer to people who did not beg because of their diffidence, received a due share of their wealth. There are certainly signs in the earth for people with certainty, such as mountains, soil, seas, trees, fruits, plants and other things. And in yourselves there are signs as well, meaning from the beginning of your gestation to its end, and in the wonders which the human body contains. Do you not then see? Do you not see that and take it as evidence of your Maker and His power? Your provision is in heaven, i.e. a reference to the rain which sustains plant life, from which much of our provision comes, and what you are promised, which is the resurrection and the reward or penalty that follow it, meaning that it is written in heaven. In verse number 22, Allah says, and in the heavens is your provision. And one position amongst the scholars of tafsir is the one that Al-Mahalli rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned. Meaning that your provision comes from the rain. The sky brings down its water. And from that you take your provision. Meaning your food and so on. The other position amongst the scholars of tafsir is rizqukum, Your provision is in the heavens. Meaning with Allah Azza wa Jal. And with what Allah Azza wa Jal decrees. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one above the heavens. And he is the one who decrees everything. And so both of those tafasir are good tafasir. By the Lord of heaven and earth, it, meaning what you are promised, is certainly the truth, just as you have speech. As you speak in reality, meaning you have knowledge of that fiery as it issues from you. هل أتاك حديث ضيف إبراهيم المكرمين؟ This is the dress of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Has the story reached you of the honored guests of Ibrahim? The honored guests were angels. There were twelve, ten, or three of them. Ibrahim alayhi salam was one of them. In verse twenty-four, Allah subhanahu wa taala says, هل أتاك حديث ضيف إبراهيم المكرمين؟ And again, this is a telling of the story of Ibrahim alayhi salam that we mentioned a previous. A number of times in the Qur'an, in Surah Hud and in other than that Surah. In this particular telling of the story that Allah Azza wa Jal says, Dhaifi Ibrahim al-Mukramin. The word Dhaif is a singular, the guest. And Mukramin is a plural, that they were honored. So why does Allah Azza wa Jal refer to them as the singular and then and describe them in the plural? Even though we know that there was more than one of them. Whether they were 10 or 12 or 3, we have no authentic evidence to show that. But the point is that there were a number of angels that came to Ibrahim alayhi salam. The reason and one of the etiquettes that we take from this is that Ibrahim alayhi salam honored all of them equally. And that is from his hospitality. Because often when you have a number of guests, it is very easy to honor one of them more than the others. 
or to give one more attention than the others, or to favor one of them because of their relationship, their friendship, their position, their wealth, whatever it may be, to give them slightly more attention and honor than the others. But Allah Azza wa Jal uses the singular as if they were the same. So Allah Azza wa Jal says that this is from the hospitality of Ibrahim alayhi salatu was salam. And that shows you then in the different ways that Allah Azza wa Jal has described the story of Ibrahim and the angels alayhi salam, that Allah Azza wa Jal praises this honor within him. And that is his ability to give good hospitality. And one thing that the Arabs were known for even before Islam was their hospitality. It is one of the good traits that they took from their ancestors and from their forefather Ibrahim alayhi salatu wassalam. إِذْ دَخَلُوا عَلَيْهِ فَقَالُوا سَلَامًا قَالَ سَلَامٌ قَوْمٌ مُنْكَرُونَ When they entered his dwelling and said peace, he said peace to people we did not know. He said to himself, we did not recognize them. فَرَاغَ إِلَىٰ أَهْلِهِ فَجَاءَ بِعِجْلٍ سَمِينَ So he slipped off secretly to his household and brought a fattened calf. The Qur'an says in Surah Hud that it was roasted. فَقَرَّبَهُ إِلَيْهِمْ قَالَ أَلَا تَأْكُلُونَ He offered it to them to eat, but they would not eat, and then exclaimed, Do you not then eat? فَأَوْجَسَ مِنْهُمْ خِيفَةً قَالُوا لَا تَخَفْ وَبَشَّرُوهُ بِغُلَامٍ عَلِيمٍ He felt afraid of them, i.e. and concealed this in himself. But they said, Do not be afraid. We are the messengers of your Lord, and gave him the good news of a son, imbued with much knowledge. That was Isaq as mentioned in Surah Hud. And as we said before in, in verse 28 of this Surah, when Allah describes the child of Ibrahim as Alim, the possessor of knowledge, then it refers to Ishaq. And when he is described as Halim, as he's done in Surah Al-Safat, then it refers to Ismail. Ismail is the one that Allah describes as being forbearing and patient because of the trial of the sacrifice. And Ishaq is described as being the possessor of knowledge alayhi salatu wassalam faqabalat imra'atuhu fi sarratin fasakkat wajhaha wa qalat ajuzun aqim his wife sarah alayhi salam came up with a shriek and struck her face and said what and me a barren old woman those like me do not give birth she was 99 and ibrahim alayhi salam was 100 or he was 120 and she was 90 in restitution allah azza wa jalla says that she struck her head, meaning out of amazement. That she put her head, hand on her forehead. Or she struck herself, meaning to make sure that it was true. Because of the amazement that she felt that despite her old age, and again we have no evidence to show exactly how old they were, but they were in extremely old age. That Allah will give to them a child. And so this is a sign of her amazement at the news of a child. قَالُوا كَذَلِكِ قَالَ رَبُّكِ إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْحَكِيمُ الْعَلِيمُ They said, that is what your Lord says. That is our good news. He is the all-wise in what he does, the all-knowing of his creation. قَالَ فَمَا خَطُبُكُمْ أَيُّهَا الْمُرْسَلُونَ He inquired, what then is your business, O messengers? قَالُوا إِنَّا أُرْسِلْنَا إِلَى قَوْمٍ مُجْرِمِينَ They said, we have been sent to a people of evildoers meaning the unbelievers, i.e. referring to the people of Lot, to unleash upon them lumps of clay, baked with fire, earmarked with the name of the person they are intended for, 
by our Lord for the profligates on account of their unbelief. We brought out all the believers who were there so that the unbelievers could be destroyed. But found in it only one house of Muslims, referring to Lot and his sons, who were true in their hearts and performed acts of obedience with their limbs. In verse 36, Allah says, There was only one household that the angels found with, to have Iman, to be Muslims, and that is the household of Lut And Lut doesn't have sons, he has daughters, as Allah mentions elsewhere in the Quran. So this is a mistaken translation. It is Lut and his daughters, not Lut and his sons. And again, that is a misunderstanding of the use of the word awlad, because awlad in classical Arabic means children, doesn't mean sons. And that is one of the difficulties then when you try to translate classical texts with modern Arabic, as we've mentioned a number of times before. وَتَرَكْنَا فِيهَا آيَةً لِلَّذِينَ يَخَافُونَ الْعَذَابَ الْأَلِيمِ And we left a sign of their destruction in it, i.e. after the unbelievers were destroyed there, for those who fear painful punishment, and hence do not do the same as they did. وَفِي مُوسَىٰ إِذْ أَرْسَلْنَاهُ إِلَىٰ فِرْعَوْنَ بِسُلْطَانٍ مُّبِينٍ And also, we left a sign in the story of Musa when he sent to Pharaoh with clear authority, i.e. clear evidence. But he turned away from faith with his forces, because they supported him, saying, Musa is a magician or a madman. So he seized him and his armies, and held them into the sea, and they were drowned, and he was to blame. Pharaoh did what was reprehensible by denying the messengers and claiming to be divine. وفي عاد إذ أرسلنا عليهم الريح العقيم. And also in the destruction of Ad, there is a sign, i.e., when we unleashed against them the barren wind, in which there was no good because it did not bring rain and did not fertilize the trees. It was a west wind. ما تذر من شيء أتت عليه إلا جعلته كرميم. Which left nothing, i.e., neither living person nor property, meaning it touched without turning it to dust. وَفِي ثَمُودَ إِذْ قِيلَ لَهُمْ تَمَتَّعُوا حَتَّى حِينَ And also, in the destruction of Thamud, there is a sign, i.e. when they were told after they had hamstrung the camel, enjoy yourselves a while until the end of your set term, as in the ayah, enjoy yourselves in your land for three more days. فَعَتَوْا عَنْ أَمْرِ رَبِّهِمْ فَأَخَذَتْهُمُ الصَّاعِقَةُ وَهُمْ يَنْظُرُونَ But they spurned their Lord's command, out of arrogance, and did not obey the messenger. So the blast seized them three days later as they watched. In verse number 44, Allah says, The blast seized them as they watched, which is one meaning of the word yandurun. Another scholar of tafsir said, Whilst they were waiting, not whilst they were watching, meaning that they were promised that a punishment of Allah would come, and so they were waiting for it to come. And that is what Allah is referring to, and Allah knows best. فَمَا اسْتَطَاعُوا مِنْ قِيَامٍ وَمَا كَانُوا مُنْتَصِرِينَ They could not stand upright, i.e. being unable to rise when the punishment descended, and they were not helped against what destroyed them. وَقَوْمَ نُوحٍ مِّنْ قَبْلُ إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا قَوْمًا فَاسِقِينَ And there is a sign in the destruction of the people of Nuh, before who were destroyed by Allah, before these others were destroyed. They were a people of deviators. 
وَالسَّمَاءَ بَنَيْنَاهَا بِأَيْدٍ وَإِنَّا لَمُوسِعُونَ As for heaven, we built it with great power and gave it its vast expanse. We had the power to do so and made it contain vastness and strength. وَالْأَرْضَ فَرَشْنَاهَا فَنِعْمَ الْمَاهِدُونَ And the earth, we spread it like a carpet and stretched it out and how well we smoothed it out. وَمِن كُلِّ شَيْءٍ خَلَقْنَا زَوْجَيْنِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَذَكَّرُونَ And we created all things in pairs of opposites, such as male and female, earth and heaven, sun and moon, plains and mountains, summer and winter, sweet and sour, light and darkness, so that perhaps you would pay heed, know that the creator of the pairs is unique and worship him. فَفِرُّوا إِلَى اللَّهِ إِنِّي لَكُمْ مِنْهُ نَذِيرٌ مُبِينٌ So flee to Allah. Meaning to his reward from the punishment from him that awaits you if you do not obey him. Do not disobey him. Truly, I bring you a clear warning from him. Do not set up another God together with Allah. Truly, I bring you a clear warning from him. This is repeating the command to flee to him. كَذَلِكَ مَا أَتَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ مِنْ رَسُولٍ إِلَّا قَالُوا سَاحِرٌ أَوْ مَجْنُونَ Equally, no messenger came to those before them without their saying, a magician or a madman. The denial of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam by saying that he was a magician or a madman mirrors how earlier nations had also denied the messengers by saying that. أَتَوَاصَوْ بِهِ بَلْ هُمْ قَوْمٌ طَاغُونَ They all bequeathed this to one another. The answer is no. Indeed, they are an unbridled people. All who called him that were a people who transgressed. So turn away from them, for you are not to blame, i.e. because you have conveyed the message. And remind them, meaning admonish them by the Qur'an, for truly the believers benefit from being reminded, i.e. those who Allah knows will believe. وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ I created jinn and man only to worship me. This is not incompatible with the unbeliever's failure to worship Allah because the statement does not demand that it actually happen. As is the case when you say, I have sharpened this pen so that I can write with it. And then you do not write with it. In verse 56 when Allah Azza wa says, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ I only created jinn and mankind to worship me alone. The position of the scholars such as Ibn Taymiyyah, Ibn Kathir, Ibn Al-Qayyim, Shaykh Shalqiti, Ali, Muhammadullah and others is that the meaning of this verse is that I created them so that I may command them to worship me and not because I am in need of them. And that is a good tafsir of this verse. Allah Azza wa Jalla says I created you only to worship me not because Allah is in need of that worship but Allah created them in order to command them. And that command therefore is a choice that those two species have the humans and the jinn, whether to obey or whether to disobey. مَا أُرِيدُ مِنْهُمْ مِنْ رِزْقٍ وَمَا أُرِيدُ أَنْ I do not require any provision from them, for myself or themselves or for anyone else. And I do not require them to nourish me. In verse 57, there are two positions amongst the scholars of tafsir as to what this refers to. مَا أُرِيدُ مِنْهُمْ مِنْ رِزْقٍ وَمَا أُرِيدُ أَنْ يُطْعِمُونَ The first is what is mentioned by Ibn Kathir rahimahullah ta'ala. I do not need them to provide for me, meaning Allah, or that they should feed me, again referring to Allah Azza wa Jal. That is one position. The other position is the one chosen by Imam Al-Tabari, ta'ala, that I do not need them to feed others or to provide for others. And so therefore, it is not speaking about Allah, the provision and the feeding is not for Allah, but Allah is saying that I do not need them to provide for others or that they should in any way feed others. 
Truly, Allah is the provider, the possessor of strength, the sure. فَإِنَّ لِلَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا ذَنُوبًا مِثْلَ ذَنُوبِ أَصْحَابِهِمْ فَلَا يَسْتَعْجِلُونَ Those who do wrong to themselves by disbelief amongst the people of Mecca and others will have their due portion of the punishment, the same as that of their friends, i.e. those who were destroyed before them, so that they should not hurry me, so they should not hurry me. Hasten the punishment if it is delayed for them until the day of rising. In verse 59, the word ذنوب, which normally means sins, means punishment, as Allah mentions. And so in this regard, it doesn't mean that those who have done wrong have sins like the sins of others. It means that they will have a punishment, like the punishment of those who came before them. Well, i.e. a great punishment, then to those who disbelieve, on account of the day they have been promised, i.e. the day of rising. 52. Surah At-Tur, the mount. This surah is Meccan and has 49 ayats. So this is the 52nd surah of the Qur'an and it is Surah At-Tur. And by Ijma'ah, the scholars of Tafsir, Imam Al-Qutubi, rahimahullah, mentions it is a Meccan surah. And this is a surah that speaks about some of the greatest signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Jubayr ibn Mud'im radiallahu anhu in the narration of Sahih al-Bukhari, he says that I was one of the captives of the day of Badr. One of the, because he fought on the side of the Quraysh. I was one of the captives of the day of Badr. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa led the Maghrib prayer and recited Surah Al-Tur. And when he reached a certain verse in this surah, that is when Iman entered into my heart. And inshallah when we come to that verse in this surah, we will speak about it. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Wattur. By the mount. I, this is the mount in which Allah spoke to Musa. In verse number one, Allah Azza wa takes an oath by the mount. And the mount or the word Tur is a mountain that has greenery upon it. That is the meaning of the word Tur in the Arabic language. And then the scholars differ as to which mountain this was. Is it just a general mountain, which is the position of some of the scholars, such as Imam al-Tabari and others? Or is it a, uh, sorry, that's the position of some of the scholars. The position of Imam al-Tabari and others, such as Sheikh Shaqiti, rahimahullah, and others, is that it refers to the mountain upon which Musa was spoken to. And so that is a tur In the Quran, tur is generally a mountain. It can refer to the mountain of Musa other than the mountain of Musa. But when Waturi Sinin, the mountain of Sinai is mentioned, that is the mountain that is the mountain of Musa salam. So which one is this here in the in the verse? The scholars differ. Ibn Qayyim Ta'ala chose the position also that it refers to Musa salam. Because he says that often when Allah speaks in these verses, he is referencing prophets. So the mountain is a reference to the Prophet Musa salam, and the second verse, which is the scripture, will be a reference to our Prophet Mastur, And an inscribed book. And again, the scholars differ greatly over what is this inscribed book. Some of them said that it is the Lawh al-Mahfuz, the preserved tablet. And others from amongst them said, it is every book that has, called, that has been revealed from the heavens. And others from amongst them, such as Imam al-Tabari said, that it refers to any book, whether it's from the heavens or from other than the heavens. And the position chosen by Ibn al-Qayyim and Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shaqiti is that it is a reference to the Qur'an. So the inscribed book is a reference to the Qur'an. On an unfurled scroll, meaning the Torah or the Qur'an. By the visited house. This is referring to the third, sixth, or seventh heaven above the Kaaba, 
70,000 angels visit it every day, perform tawaf and pray, and never return to it again. And in verse number 4, the commentary of the author, Ta'ala, in the hadith in the Sahihain, in Bukhari and Muslim, it references the Bayt al-Ma'mur as being in the seventh heaven. So not the one in the third or maybe the sixth. It is the seventh heaven according to that authentic narration. By the raised canopy, i.e. meaning the sky. By the overflowing ocean. In verse number six, Allah takes an oath by the ocean and he calls it Al-Masjur. And Al-Masjur has two meanings according to the scholars. The first is the one that the author has given. And that is the position of Imam Al-Tabari. That refers to it being full. Mamlu. And the second is that it will burn. And that is the position of Ibn Abbas because Allah describes the, the oceans on the day of judgment as being set ablaze. And so the word sujirat wa idal biharu sujirat wal baharul masjur. They come from the same word, which is why he chose that position. And Allah knows best. Your Lord's punishment. Of those who deserve it will certainly take place. No one can ward it off. And verses 7 and 8 then are the Jawab al Qasam. Allah has taken an oath in the opening passage. What is He taking an oath by? This that the punishment of Allah is true and it is a reality and it is something which will come close. On the day when heaven shakes and sways to and fro. In verse number 9, Allah says, on the day that the heavens shake, that they go back and forth. And that is a signal as to the heavens being rent asunder, being split open. So it is speaking about the very first moment of when they are split open. So the meaning of this verse, therefore, is not that they just shake. It means that it is referencing the sign of the day of judgment, when the heavens will split apart. And the mountains shift about and become scattered dust. That will occur on the day of rising. Well, that day to the deniers, meaning a great punishment for those who deny the messengers. Who play at frivolous games, i.e. occupied and diverted with false things because of their unbelief. The day they are shoved roughly into the fire of hell and are told as a rebuke to them. This is the fire which you denied. So is this punishment magic as used to say about the revelation or is it that you do not see? Roast in it and bear it patiently or do not bear it patiently. It makes no difference either way. Your patience and fear are the same because your patience will not help you. You are simply being repaid for what you did. The God-fearing will be in gardens of delights. Savoring what their Lord has given them. Their Lord will safeguard them from the punishment of the blazing fire. They will be told, Eat and drink with relish for what you did. 
متكئين على سرور مصفوفة وزوجناهم بحور عين. They were reclined in God in the garden on couches on couches ranged in rows side by side, and we will marry them to beautiful dark-eyed maidens, meaning holies. والذين آمنوا واتبعتهم ذريتهم بإيمان ألحقنا بهم ذريتهم وما أنتناهم من عملهم من شيء كل مريء بما كسب رهين. And we will unite those who believed with their offspring, who followed them in belief, meaning in the garden, and they will be in different ranks, even if they did not act worthily of them, to honor their fathers by joining their children to them. And we will not undervalue their own actions in any way. Every man, i.e. human being, is in pledge for what he earned by his actions. Good or bad, evil will be punished and good will be rewarded. In verse number 21, this is from the greatest blessings that Allah will bestow upon the believers on the day of judgment. The alternative readings in this verse, ذُرِّيَّتَهُمْ ذُرِّيَّاتِهِمْ Which is the recitation of Abu Amr. And there is the recitation of ذُرِّيَّاتُهُمْ Which is the recitation of Ibn Amr. أَتْبَعْنَاهُمْ being the alternative reading of Abu Amr and then أَلَتْنَاهُمْ and أَلِتْنَاهُمْ with a kasra which is the reading of Ibn Kathir this is from the greatest of blessings of Allah and that is that when people enter into paradise and the parents are of a higher level in Jannah than their children Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will raise and elevate the level of the children to meet that of the ranks of their parents and Allah Azza wa will reunite them because the people of Jannah will not be able to enjoy Jannah if their children are on a different level of Jannah than they are. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raises them by His, by His mercy subhanahu wa ta'ala to the level of their parents. And this is the position of Ibn Kathir and Ibn Qayyim alayhima rahmatullah amongst many of the other scholars of Islam. And Ibn Qayyim has a very long discussion concerning the word dhurriya because as we said the word dhurriya means children. So therefore does it refer to children as in children that die? Before the age of puberty, that it is referring to them, therefore those are the ones that Allah raises because they died before the age of puberty and before the age of them being held accountable. Or is the word dhuriya in the most general sense that any of my children are still my children, irrespective of their age, adults, children, old, young, they are still my children. And Ibn Qayyim ta'ala favored that second position, that it is a general term referring to all of them, irrespective of their ages in the dunya, that Allah will raise them high. And there are two conditions for this, therefore, that we take from the verse, this reward. The first is that the parents die upon Iman. They are people of Iman. And Allah bestows upon them Iman, and they are those people who cherish that Iman. And number two, that their children follow in their footsteps, meaning in their footsteps of Iman. And with that, inshallah ta'ala, they will have this amazing reward from Allah وَأَمْدَدْنَاهُمْ بِفَاكِهَةٍ وَلَحْمٍ مِّمَّا يَشْتَهُونَ We will supply them time after time with any kind of fruits or meat that they desire, i.e. and they don't have to look for it. يَتَنَازَعُونَ فِيهَا كَأْسًا لَا لَغْمٌ فِيهَا وَلَا تَأْثِيمٌ They will pass around there, meaning in paradise, a drinking cup of wine to one another with no foolish talk between them, as a result of drinking it and no wrong action in it. I.e. which is not the case with wine in this world. In verse number 23, why does Allah speak about the drink of paradise, which is the wine of paradise? And then he says that in that drink there is no false speech, no evil action. Because often in the dunya when people become drunk, that's what they do. They either say things which are evil or do things which are evil. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala negates those two, which are the main results and consequences of becoming drunk. He negates that from the drink of Jannah, which is the drink of 
paradise. وَيَطُوفُ عَلَيْهِمْ غِلْمَانٌ لَهُمْ كَأَنَّهُمْ لُؤْلُؤٌ مَكْنُونَ Circulating among them there will be youths, meaning as servants, like hidden pearls, as regards their beauty and fineness. A pearl, when it is protected in its shell, is more beautiful there than it is elsewhere. In verse number 24, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says غِلْمَان And we mentioned this before that the translator often refers to this as youths. Even though they are youth, the meaning is not just any youth. It means the servants of paradise that Allah has created as one of the blessings of paradise. And that is why the author, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, mentions that in his commentary. Some of them will come up to others and they will question one another about what they had before in the world and the delight they are now experiencing. And they will acknowledge the blessing they have received. قَالُوا إِنَّا كُنَّا قَبْلُ فِي أَهْلِنَا مُشْفِقِينَ They will say, i.e. indicating the reason for their arrival, beforehand we used to live in fear among our families. In this world we used to fear Allah's punishment. In verse 26, إِنَّا كُنَّا قَبْلُ فِي أَهْلِنَا مُشْفِقِينَ Meaning that in the dunya, whilst we were with our families, we would fear Allah and we feared His punishment. And that is from the results and the reasons for which they gain Jannah. Because of that taqwa of Allah and that fear of Allah and therefore working in accordance to what that means to fear Allah Azzawajal and His punishment. And they will reminisce upon that in Jannah, that that was the cause of their success. But Allah was gracious to us by forgiving us and safeguarded us from the punishment of the searing wind, i.e. heated by having into the fire. إِنَّا كُنَّا مِنْ قَبْلُ نَدْعُوهُ إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْبَرُّ الرَّحِيمُ Beforehand, we certainly used to call on and worship him alone in this world because he is your good. I.e. the divine name used there, Al-Barr, is the one who is good and truthful in his promise, the most merciful. In verse 28, the name of Allah Azza wa Jal Al-Barr is the one who is extensive in his goodness, subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is no limit to his goodness, his blessing, his maghfira, his rahmah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَذَكِّرْ فَمَا أَنْتَ بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ بِكَاهِنٍ وَلَا مَجْنُونَ Remind them then, i.e. continue to remind the adulterers and do not cease doing that despite of what they say about you being a soothsayer or a madman. For by the blessing of your Lord on you, you are neither a soothsayer nor a madman. أَمْ يَقُولُونَ شَاعِرٌ نَتَرَبَّصُ بِهِ رَيْبَ الْمَنُونَ Or do they say, he is a poet and we are waiting for something bad to happen to him? I, we are waiting for the events of time to destroy him like the other poets. In verse 30, Allah Azzawajal says at the end, Bihi Raybal Manoon. And the word Manoon means death. So therefore, he is a poet, and we are waiting for death to come to him. That is the meaning of Al Manoon. Not just something bad, but they mean for his destruction, for his death. Say, Wait then for my destruction. I am waiting with you for your destruction. They were punished by the soul in the battle of Badr. أَمْ تَأْمُرُهُمْ أَحْلَامُهُمْ بِهَذَا أَمْهُمْ قَوْمٌ طَاغُونَ Is it their intellects that direct them to say this? I.e. that he is a magician, soothsayer, or madman, meaning that their intelligence did not make them say this? Or is it that they are an unbridled people in the obduracy? أَمْ يَقُولُونَ تَقَوَّلَهُ بَلْ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ Or do they say, he has simply made it up? Do they say that he has forged the Qur'an? He did not. No, the truth is that they do not believe out of arrogance. If they do say that he has forged it, then let them produce a forged discourse like it if they, were, if they are telling the truth.
ام من غير شيء ام هم الخالقون or were they created out of nothing without a creator or are they the creators did they create themselves it is not logical that there should be a creature without a creator or that something non-existent should create so they must have a creator namely the one god yet they did not proclaim, they did not proclaim his unity nor believe in his messenger and his book أم خلق السماوات والأرض بل لا يوقنون Or did they create the heavens and the earth? Only Allah the Creator is capable of creating the heavens and the earth. So why did they not worship Him? No. In truth, they have no certainty about Him. If they had had, they would have believed in His Prophet And these verses 35 and 36 are the ones that Jubair ibn Mutaim radiallahu is referring to in that hadith in Al-Bukhari. When he had as a captive on the day of Badr, the Prophet ﷺ reciting Surah Al-Tur in Salat Al-Maghrib, he says when he recited these verses, that is when Iman entered my heart. Allah says, Were they created from nothing, meaning without creator, or according to Imam Al-Tabari, from without father or mother, from nothing, with no father or no mother? Or are they the ones who created themselves? Or are they the ones who created the heavens and the earth, rather they have no knowledge? أَمْ عِنْدَهُمْ خَزَائِنُ رَبِّكَ أَمْ هُمُ الْمُسَيْطِرُونَ Or, do they possess the treasuries of your Lord? Are you referring to the prophethood, provision and other things, so that they can give whomever they wish, whatever they wish? Or, do they have control of them and manage them? أَمْ لَهُمْ سُلَّمٌ يَسْتَمِعُونَ فِيهِ فَلْيَأْتِ مُسْتَمِعُهُمْ بِسُلْطَانٍ مُبِينَ Or, do they have a ladder on which they can ascend to heaven and from which they listen to the words of the angels so that they can argue with the Prophet to validate to validate the allegations which they make then let their listener meaning the one who claims to listen bring clear evidence for their claim that the angels are the daughters of Allah so Allah says or does he have daughters whereas they have sons this is their baseless claim or do you ask them for a wage for bringing them the deen so that they are weighed down with debt by that and for that reason do not become Muslim or is knowledge of the unseen in their unseen in the, in their hands so, they, so, they, so they can write out what's to happen i.e. so that they can argue with the Prophet about the resurrection and the matters in the next world أَمْ يُرِيدُونَ كَيْدًا فَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا هُمُ الْمَكِيدُونَ Or do they desire to dupe you? Do they desire to outwit you so that they can murder you by plotting in the Dar al-Nadwa? But the duped duped ones are those who disbelieve, meaning who are defeated in their devising. For Allah protected him from them and then destroyed them at the Battle of Badr. أَمْ لَهُمْ إِلَاهٌ غَيْرُ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ عَمَّا يُشْرِكُونَ Or do they have some God other than Allah? Glory be to Allah above any idol they propose. He is exalted above any of their deities. Such questions convey rebuke and finding something to be ugly. If they saw a lump of heaven falling down on them, as he had said, let parts of the heaven fall on us, which would happen in order to punish them, they would just say, it is a bag of clouds, and would not believe. فَذَرْهُمْ حَتَّى يُلَاقُوا يَوْمَهُمُ الَّذِي فِيهِ يُصْعَقُونَ Leave them, then, until they meet their day, when they will be struck down by the blast and then die. يَوْمَ لَا يُغْنِي عَنْهُمْ كَيْدُهُمْ شَيْئًا وَلَا هُمْ يُنصَرُونَ The day their ploys will not profit them at all, and they will not be helped and defended from the punishment on the last day.
وَإِنَّ لِلَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا عَذَابًا دُونَ ذَلِكَ وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَهُمْ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ And those who do wrong by their unbelief will have a punishment besides that in this world before the death. And they were punished by hunger and drought for seven years and by being killed in the day of Badr. But most of them do not know it, i.e. that the punishment will befall them. In verse number 47, Allah Azzawajal says that they will have a punishment other than that, meaning other than the punishment of the fire. And the author, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, as he has done elsewhere in the Qur'an, makes a tafsir that that is the punishment in, form, in the forms of the dunya. Hunger, killing, strife, whatever it may be. And another position included in that, amongst the scholars of tafsir, is the punishment of the grave. Because any punishment less than the punishment of the Day of Judgment includes not only the punishment of the dunya, but also the punishment of the grave, which has been authentically established in a number of verses within the Qur'an. وَاصْبِرْ لِحُكْمِ رَبِّكَ فَإِنَّكَ بِأَعْيُنِنَا وَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ حِينَ تَقُومِ So wait steadfastly for the judgment of your Lord. When He delays the punishment, you are certainly before our eyes. We see you and we will preserve you. And glorify and praise your Lord by saying, Glory be to Allah and with His praise. When you get up from sleep or rise when you're gathering. In verse 48, Allah Azzawajal says, فَإِنَّكَ بِأَعْيُنِنَا You are certainly before our eyes. And that is a literal reference to one of the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he possesses eyes jalla fi ula in a manner which befits his majesty and so therefore the commentary of the author rahimahullah ta'ala is a consequence of that and it is not the tafsir of the verse Allah we establish for him the eyes that he establishes for himself affirms for himself and as a result of that he sees subhanahu wa ta'ala and he preserves jalla fi ula Allah says at the end of this verse وَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ حِينَ تَقُومُ Praise your Lord when you get up from your sleep, the author says, or from when you rise from your gathering. What does that mean? The scholars differ as to what it refers to, the Prophet when he gets up. What does it mean? One position, the one that is chosen by Tabari and others, rahimahumullah, is when you stand up from sleep. When you wake up, you should praise Allah, thank Allah. As is reported from the Prophet that he would say from the du'as, Alhamdulillah, you praise Allah Azza wa when you when you get up. The second position that the author mentions, Rahimullah, also, is when you get up from your gatherings, meaning from your sittings, because it's authentically reported. that the Prophet ﷺ, if he was sitting with his companions and they were discussing something, when he would, before he would get up to leave, he would say, Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdi, ashadu an la ilaha illa ant, astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. And it is known amongst the scholars as kafaratul majlis. It is the expiation for what has been said, if there are mistakes or things that shouldn't have been said or errors that have been committed, it is one of the things that the Prophet would do. And the third position is when you stand, meaning when you stand for salah. Because from the du'as that is reported in Sahih Muslim that Umar would make when he would start his salah is Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik wa tabarakasmuk jadduk wa la ilaha ghayruk. So that is the third opinion amongst the scholars of tafsir and Allah Azza wa knows best. وَمِنَ اللَّيْلِ فَسَبِّحْهُ وَإِدْبَارَ النُّجُومِ And glorify him in the night when the stars fade out. This may mean praying the night prayers, Maghrib and Isha, and when the stars fade, is praying Fajr and Subh. And that position is the position of Imam Al-Tabir as well. That those times of the night refer to the three loud prayers. And that is of Maghrib Isha and Salat Al-Fajr. 53. Surah Al-Najm the star this surah is Meccan, except for Ayah 32, which is Medinan. It has 62 ayats. So this is the 53rd surah of the Qur'an, Surah Al-Najm, which is literally translated as being the star. 
and we will speak about that in more detail shortly. It is a Meccan surah according to the vast majority of the scholars of Islam and the exception of that one verse is mentioned by some of them such as Qatada uh, rahimahullah ta'ala. This surah is the one that is mentioned in the narration of Al-Bukhari and the hadith of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was once praying by the Kaaba in the early Meccan period and the Quraysh were around him listening attentively and as he was reciting to this surah of the Quran Surah Al-Najm and the end, the very last verse of this surah is a command to prostrate فَاسْجُدُوا لِلَّهِ وَعْبُدُوا so prostrate to Allah and worship Him so the Prophet ﷺ fell down into prostration as the command of Allah is given to him and the Quran was, and the Quraysh were so mesmerized and so attentive in their listening to the Prophet's recitation that when that command came to prostrate and he prostrated they fell down into prostration alongside him except it is said in one narration except for an old man who was sitting on a stool was physically incapable of getting down on the ground so he took the sand from the ground and he rubbed it on his forehead and he said this is what I can do and that shows you number one that the Prophet would often in his own salah read in a voice that is loud meaning that he wouldn't just read to himself sometimes he would raise his voice in Qiyamul Layl and others because there are numerous hadith where the companions say that they could hear the Prophet reciting and so therefore in Qiyamul Layl even if you're praying by yourself it is the Sunnah and in, sometimes in the Nafal prayers of the day that you recite out loud in a voice that you can hear through yourself meaning in an audible voice number two we see that the Quraysh despite their disbelief had an amazing uh, connection with the Quran just by virtue of its eloquence and by its Arabic language and that is something which therefore as Muslims one of the benefits of studying the tafsir of the book of Allah is to understand the meaning of that Quran so that when you stand and you pray or when you recite these verses it is more than just words on a page or a translation that a translator has done you understand the context behind it and you understand the meaning of those verses because that is the purpose of tafsir to uncover the meanings of the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. when it descends and sets. The first verse Allah Azza takes an oath by the star. And the star that is being referenced here is the position or the issue that the scholars differ concerning. What is the star referring to? Some of them said that it refers to a thuriya which is as the author Ta'ala, mentions in his tafsir, a certain star known to be the brightest shining star. That is what Allah Azza takes an oath by. And others from amongst them, uh, such as Al-Dahaq and others said that the star refers to the shooting star, the one that is thrown at the devils as they come to the heavens to steal from the news of the heavens. And other scholars and from amongst the foremost amongst them, Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin Ta'ala, said that the star refers to the Qur'an. And he said because the Qur'an is revealed in what is called Munajjam, which comes from the same root word as, as Najm, which is where the verse comes from then. Munajjam means that it's revealed over a period of time, in stages, not a, a single batch. He says that is the meaning. And he says because Allah in this context of these verses, he speaks about the Qur'an. It is all about revelation, verse 2, verse 3, it is all about revelation. So it makes sense in terms of the context that Allah takes an oath by the revelation. Meaning Allah says by the star, it is not the star, Allah says by the Qur'an as it is revealed in stages. 
That is the meaning of his tafsir, rahimahullah ta'ala. And he will do something similar, rahimahullah, when he comes to Surah Al-Waqi'ah. فَلَا أُقْسِمُ بِمَوَاقِعِ النُّجُومِ And in other places where Allah Azza wa speaks about it in the stars, he says because the context is not one of the creation of the heavens and the earth. Allah is not speaking about the sun and the moon and the stars. Allah is speaking about revelation. So therefore, it speaks about the Qur'an. And its manner of revelation is called munajjam, which is where the word najm comes from. It is over stages, it is scattered. Because the stars are scattered in the sky and Allah Azza wa knows best. مَا ضَلَّ صَاحِبُكُمْ وَمَا غَوَى Your companion is not misguided or misled, referring to the Prophet Muhammad He is guided on the path of right guidance and is untouched by error, which is ignorance in the form of false belief. وَمَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَى In what he brings, nor does he speak from whim, meaning from his own desires. إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيٌ يُوحَى It is nothing but revelation revealed to him. And in these verses 3 and 4, speaking about the revelation given to our Prophet wasallam, it includes more than the Qur'an. It includes the Sunnah as well. And a common mistake when making tafsir of these verses is to limit that revelation as being the Qur'an. Know that the Qur'an is from that revelation and it has its prestige and its position. But everything that the Prophet said in terms of religion, which includes therefore his authentic Sunnah, is from the revelation that Allah gave to him. The Prophet never said anything concerning the matters of deen that were from himself. So a question here arises, what then when the Prophet ﷺ makes mistakes? Allah says it's revelation, but we know we mentioned in the Battle of Badr, something which the Prophet ﷺ did that Allah corrected and elsewhere in the Qur'an, and numerous examples. The meaning of this is that Allah always gives him revelation, either before or that he will correct it through revelation, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet ﷺ making a mistake is from the revelation, meaning in the sense that Allah does it so that he may correct him. Just as when the Prophet says, don't do something, prohibits it. And then he does it himself, it is to show that it is disliked then, and not a prohibition. So the Prophet going against what seems to be his own command is for him in itself an act of worship. Because by doing so, the Prophet establishes for us principles and rulings and etiquettes. Alayhi salatu wassalam. Allamahu shadeedul quwa. Taught him by one immensely strong, an angel. Possessing power and splendor, meaning Jibreel. He stood stationary. So these are verses 5 and 6, referring to the angel Jibreel alayhi salam. That he is the one who brought the revelation to our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. In verse 6, Possessing power and splendor, فَاسْتَوَى He stood stationary, meaning that he was covering everything between the horizon, between the heavens and the earth, when the Prophet saw him in his original form, meaning that he covered everything. Not that he was literally standing on the ground, but that he covered the whole of the horizon. وَهُوَ بِالْأُفُقِ الْأَعْلَى There on the highest horizon. The horizon is that of the sun, in other words, where it rises. He appeared in the form in which he was created. The Prophet saw him. This happened at Tira. And the angel filled the entire horizon. He fainted. He had asked Jibreel to show himself to him in the form in which he had been created. Jibreel told him that it would happen at Tira, where he had previously descended in human form. In verse number 7, Allah says, And the author gives this commentary. And that's because what is established in the Sunnah is that the, the, the angel Jibreel came to the Prophet in his original form, meaning the form that Allah created him in, two times. The first is at the beginning of revelation, in the early days of revelation, and the second is on the day or the night of the night journey, the later to Isra, 
Those are the two positions that are authentically mentioned. And there may have been other places, but those are the two that we know of. And Allah Azza wa knows best. Then he drew near to him and hung suspended, coming nearer still. And it's reported in Al-Bukhari, as we mentioned before, that the Prophet ﷺ, when he saw Jibreel in his original form, he said that he had 600 wings and he had covered, filled the horizon with his form, السلام, The verse number 8, Then he drew near, Tadalla is from the same root word, Dana Tadalla. The meaning is, as the author mentions, and not as the translator. The meaning of the verse is, then he came close and closer still. Then he drew near and nearer still. Not that he hung suspended. The meaning is that he came close and then even closer, despite his immense form. And this is what overcame the Prophet ﷺ, that he saw him. And that's why he would go back to his family, وسلم, after that initial seeing Jibreel in such a great form. That's where you get the hadith that he went back and said to his wife Khadija radiallahu anha, Zammiluni, Zammiluni, or in the other narration, Dathiruni, cover me, cover me. Because of how much fear and awe was inspired in him when he saw Jibreel in such a form. So the meaning is that Jibreel is immense in his form anyway. ثُمَّ دَنَا He comes closer. فَتَدَلَّ And then even closer. And then Allah Azza wa Jal will mention in verse number 9 that he comes closer still. فَكَانَ قَابَ قَوْسَيْنِ أَوْ أَدَنَا He was two bow lengths away or even closer when he recovered consciousness and his terror was stilled. In verse number 9, أَوْ أَدَنَا The word أَوْ as we mentioned before can come with a number of meanings. Normally in Arabic it means or. But in the context here means and even stiller, and even closer still. So it's not or, he, drew, he was two bow lengths away and even closer, not or even closer. Because it is not the position of being unsure. It is the position of showing the closeness of Jibreel salam, And that's what we mentioned similarly in the story of Yunus salam, وَرْسَلْنَاهُ إِلَى مِيَةِ أَلْفٍ أَوْ يَزِيدُونَ Does it mean oh, we sent him to a hundred thousand or more, not and more. So the O there is similar to the O that is mentioned in this verse. And Allah Azza wa knows best. فَأَوْحَى إِلَىٰ عَبَدِهِ مَا أَوْحَى Then he revealed to his slave Jibreel alayhi salam what he, Jibreel alayhi salam revealed to the Prophet The name of the revealer is not mentioned because of his incomparable greatness. مَا كَذَبَ الْفُؤَادُ مَا رَأَى His, meaning the Prophet hearts, did not lie about what he saw with respect to the form of Jibreel alayhi salam. And in verse number 11, the alternate reading is كَذَّبَ كذب with the shadda which is the reading of Hisham and Abu Ja'far. أَفَتُمَارُونَهُ عَلَى مَا يَرَى What? Do you dispute with him? Meaning argue with him and try to overcome him about what he saw? This is addressed to the adulterers who denied that the Prophet ﷺ saw Jibreel alayhi He saw him in, this, in his tree form again another time. عِنْدَ سِدَرَةِ الْمُنْتَهَى by the low tree of the final limit, meaning this was when he travelled by night through the heavens. It is a low tree to the right of the throne which none of the angels or anyone else can go beyond. And this is in verse number 14, The low tree is that tree that Allah has determined that no angel will pass beyond. And that is the tree. When the Prophet came to it on the ninth journey with Jibreel, Jibreel said to the Prophet, Now you must go ahead alone. For even I cannot go beyond this point. And that is from the honors that Allah Azza wa gave to our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam on that night. Beside which is the garden of refuge. I.e. a garden in which the angels, the spirits, and the martyrs, and God-fearing seek refuge. 
إذ يغشى السدرة ما يغشى and that which covered the lower three covered it birds and other things and the authors رحمهم الله differ or the scholars of tafsir rather differ as to what it means إذ يغشى السدرة ما يغشى in verse 16 the low tree was covered what was it covered by and there are different opinions from them is that it is the angels that cover it and from them is that it is the light of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that covers it but what is mentioned in the hadith of Isra' al-Mi'raj in al-Bukhari and other than Bukhari is that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that when I came to it it was covered by colors I don't know what they were and that is also a good tafsir because it is what the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that it is covered by various colors and hues. Only Allah Azza wa Jal knows what they are and where they come from. His eye, meaning that to the Prophet ﷺ, did not waver, nor did he look away from what he was meant to see or exceed in it or exceed it on that night. He saw in that some of the greatest signs of his Lord. He saw some of the wonders in the Malakut, green meadows which fill the rise in heaven, and Jibreel السلام, with 600 wings. Have you really considered Allah and Al-Uzza? Hamanat, the third one, the third, the other one. These were stone idols which the idolaters used to worship, claiming that they would bring them nearer to Allah, or bring them near to Allah. The implied meaning is, tell me, are these idols capable of anything? They should worship them instead of Allah, who truly does have the power, which has already been mentioned. When they claimed that the angels were the daughters of Allah, in spite of their dislikes of daughters, Allah revealed. In verse number 20 and 19 and 20, Allah Azza wa mentions the names of some of the idols that were the predominant idols amongst the Arabs. In Quraysh and other than Quraysh, and Allah Azza wa mentions these three, Allat, which was one of the gods of Mecca that they had, one of the idols, Al-Uzza, uh, which was between a place between Mecca and Taif, and Manah, which was an idol in, in the place in between Mecca and Medina. And why does Allah specify these and not others? Because from the gods that they had are gods that are arguably greater than these three idols amongst the Quraysh, such as Hubal. And Hubal is the one that Abu Sufyan calls upon on the day of Uhud when he thinks that he has victory. And the Prophet tells Umar to reply and say to him, when he says Hubal is great, say to him, Allahu Akbar, Allah is greater than Hubal. Some of the scholars say that they chose, Allah chooses these three names because the three names are derived from three names from the names of Allah Azza wa Jal. Allat comes from Allah, Al-Uzza from Aziz, Al-Mana from Al-Mannan. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose them as examples because they took names of Allah twisted them to fit them upon their gods and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. Unthā. Do you have males and he females? That is a most unfair division. The word unfair, diza, comes from the word taza yadizu to do wrong. In here illa asma unsammaytumuha antum wa abaukum ma anzal Allahu biha min sultan in yattabi'una illa al-dhanna wa ma tahwa al-anfus wa laqad jaa'ahum min rabbihim al-huda They, i.e. the idols, are nothing but names which you yourselves have given to the idols which you worship, you and your forefathers. forefathers. Allah has set down no authority for them, i.e. for worshipping them. They are following nothing but conjecture and what their own souls desire. Worshipping idols is only something which shaitan has made seem attractive to them, claiming that they will intercede with Allah on their behalf. And that one guidance, 
not when guidance has reached them from the tongue of the Prophet with absolute evidence from their Lord yet they still do not revert from what they are doing Shall man then have whatever he covets? Shall every human being have whatever he wishes where the intercession of idols is concerned? That is not how existence works. The last, i.e. meaning the next world, and the first, meaning this world, belong to Allah. Nothing occurs in them except what he wishes. And how many angels there are in the heavens whose intercessions, meaning, or whose intercession, meaning, in spite of the high place of Allah, is of no benefit at all until Allah has authorized those of his slaves. He wills and is pleased with them. Allah says, they do not intercede except on behalf of those with whom he is pleased. It is known that intercession can only be given by any creature after Allah has granted permission. Who can intercede with him except by his permission? <laughs> those who do not believe in the next world give the angels female names. That is because they say that they are the daughters of Allah. وَمَا لَهُمْ بِهِ مِنْ عِلْمٍ إِنْ يَتَّبِعُونَ إِلَّا الظَّنِّ وَإِنَّ الظَّنَّ لَا يُغْنِي مِنَ الْحَقِّ شَيْئًا They have no knowledge of this statement. They are only following conjecture. It is only something that they imagine. Conjecture is of no avail, whatever against the truth. Meaning, no help in acquiring the knowledge which is desired. فأعرض عن من تولى عن ذكرنا ولم يرد إلا الحياة الدنيا. So turn away from him who turns away from remembrance, i.e. the Quran, and desires nothing but the life of this world. This was before the command to engage in jihad. ذلك مبلغهم من العلم إن ربك هو أعلم بمن ضل عن سبيله وهو أعلم بمن اهتدى. That I seek in this world. Is as far as their knowledge extends. That is the goal of their knowledge, since they pre- since they prefer prefer this world. Your Lord knows best those who are misguided from His way, and He knows best those who are guided, and will repay them. In this verse, verse number thirty, Allah Azza wa Jal says, "ذلك مبلغهم من العلم." That is the extent of their knowledge. It is as far as their knowledge reaches. Some of the scholars of Tafsir said, meaning that their knowledge doesn't extend beyond the dunya. That is the meaning. It is as far as their knowledge reaches, meaning that it only goes up to the dunya, meaning that their knowledge doesn't extend to the next world. And how many Muslims are like this today, unfortunately, that their knowledge only goes to the dunya, only refers to what they know of money and wealth and property and family and children and, and just the benefits of the dunya. It doesn't extend beyond that to the next world. And that is why from the greatest attributes of the believer is that their main preoccupation is not this world, but the world of the Akhirah, and they're standing before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and whether they will be rewarded or punished by Allah azza wa jal. And others from amongst the scholars such as Tabari said, That is the extent of their knowledge, referring to their claim that the angels are the daughters of Allah. Because it is in the context of speaking about the angels, so that is the extent of knowledge, meaning what they know about their Lord, and what they think of Him, is that the angels are from His daughters, subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلِلَّهِ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ لِيَجْزِيَ الَّذِينَ أَسَاءُوا بِمَا عَمِلُوا وَيَجْزِيَ الَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا بِالْحُسْنَى Everything in the heavens and everything in the earth belongs to Allah, meaning He is the master of all that. 
This includes the misguided and the guided, who misleads whomever he wishes and guides whomever he wishes, so that he may repay those who do evil for what they did, i.e. in terms of shirk and other things, and repay those who do good through the affirmation of Allah's unity and other acts of obedience with the very best, i.e. the God. الَّذِينَ يَجْتَنِبُونَ كَبَائِرَ الْإِثْمِ وَالْفَوَاحِشَ إِلَّا اللَّمَمْ إِنَّ رَبَّكَ وَاسِعُ الْمَغْفِرَةِ هُوَ أَعْلَمُ بِكُمْ إِذْ أَنْشَأَكُمْ مِنَ الْأَرْضِ وَإِذْ أَنْتُمْ أَجِنَّةٌ فِي بُطُونِ أُمَّهَاتِكُمْ فَلَا تُزَكُّوا أَنْفُسَكُمْ هُوَ أَعْلَمُ بِمَنِ اتَّقَى He makes the good doers clear, whoever avoids the major wrong actions and indecencies, except for minor lapses, i.e. things such as illicit glances, kisses or touches, indicating that minor wrong actions are forgiven if major ones are avoided. Truly your Lord is vast in forgiveness, and accept repentance. He has the most knowledge of when he first produced you from the earth, meaning creating you from your father Adam from dust, and when you were embryos in your mother's wombs. So do not claim purity for yourselves. Do not praise yourself out of self-admiration. If it is done, if it is, if it is done purely by way of acknowledgement or blessing, it is good. He knows best those who are God-fearing. In verse number 32, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, الَّذِينَ يَجْتَنِبُونَ كَبَائِرَ الْإِثْمِ وَالْفَوَاحِشَ إِلَّا اللَّمَمْ They are those who avoid the major wrong actions and indecencies. Kabair al-ithm, the major sin, al-fawahish, is anything which is immodest, indecent. Illa al-lamam, except for al-lamam. And the scholars differ into many different opinions as to the meaning of the word al-lamam, to the extent that some of the scholars of tafsir said that there are eight different opinions amongst the scholars of tafsir. And perhaps the best of them, and Allah knows best, is the one that is chosen by the author. And that is al-lamam, refers to the minor sins, because no Muslim is free from them. So what Allah Azza wa wants us to stay away from are the major sins. And if we stay away from them, then we trust in Allah Azza wa mercy that He will forgive the minor. It is the major sins, as we said before, that are defined as the ones that have a threat of punishment upon them. They are the ones that we have to worry about. From those that Allah Azza wa has threatened people in terms of punishment with them. And as for the minor sins, then we trust that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive us for them. And those are the ones that our general actions, good deeds will expiate when we make wudu and when we walk to the salah and when we wait for a salah to another salah and we make istighfar and we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so on. Towards the end of the verse, Allah azza wa says, فَلَا تُزَكُّوا أَنفُسَكُمْ Do not claim purity for yourselves. This is mentioned in the hadith of Al-Bukhari of Abu Bakr radiallahu that he said that we were once sitting with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and a man from amongst us began to praise another man to his face. And he went to great deals and lengths to praise him. The Prophet said, وسلم, you slaughtered him in front of himself. Meaning that you killed him in the other narration, that you killed him without a knife. You slaughtered him without a knife. The Prophet said, don't do so. And if one of you must praise someone to their face, then say, this is what I think of him. And Allah is his true judge. And I don't praise anyone in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And how common it's become in our time when now we feel the need that we have to praise ourselves and big ourselves up and show who we are and praise ourselves with our qualifications and other than that. And how we need to praise others in front of their faces whether it's speakers on a stage or in da'wah scenes or elsewhere. And that goes against what the Prophet ﷺ did because when you do that, your soul overpowers you and shaitan comes and whispers to you and you become arrogant and you look down upon others and you think that you are higher than your position. 
And Allah Azza wa Jal knows each person's true worth and their reality. And each person knows their own true worth and reality as well. And that is why the scholars of Islam never liked their idea of being praised. And they didn't like people praising them, especially to their face. And especially in a method that wasn't uh, considered to be good. And that is why when we refer to the companions, radiallahu anhum ajma'een, we don't have to say Shaykh al-Islam Abu Bakr, or Imam Umar, or Allama Uthman, because Allah Azza wa praised them with a praise far greater than any of those terms. Allah said, radiallahu anhum wa radu'an. Allah is pleased with them, he is pleased, Allah is pleased with them, and they are pleased with him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so therefore, that's enough for them as praise. And Imam al-Dhahabi rahimahullah ta'ala in his Mu'jam al-Mukhtas, which is a book in which he lists the biographies of the scholars, including the scholars of his own generation, he comes to his own biography, rahimahullah. And so he lists his names and the teachers who allowed him to teach and gave him permission to teach. And he said, and he is an author who has many books. People say that they are beneficial. And his contemporaries and the people around him praise him often. And they say many good things about him. But the author knows his own true reality. And he knows the sins that he commits. And he knows the truthfulness of his situation. And if the only thing he takes from this dunya is his iman, then that will be enough to ensure his success. And that shows the methodology of the, of the people of old. And then if you have to praise someone for whatever reason, you take the etiquettes that were given by the Prophet ﷺ in the hadith in Al-Bukhari. And I remember listening to a lecture of Shaykh bin Baz when someone tried to praise him, and they did praise him. And then the Shaykh, when he began to speak, the first thing that he did was he rebuked that person for praising him so much to his face. And I remember listening to a lecture of Shaykh bin Uthameen, who when the, the MC starts to introduce the Shaykh and praises him, he doesn't even let him continue. Tells him to stop, and he starts to talk. Because a person needs to know their own situation, and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. Have you seen him who turns away? Turns away from faith and apostatizes after being criticized for having faith. He said, I feared the penalty of Allah. The critic guaranteed that he would bear the punishment of Allah for that man if he would revert to shirk. And also gave him money. And so he recounted. And gives little of his wealth and that grudgingly. The word grudgingly, akda is derived from Qudya, which means stony earth that impedes someone who is stinging a wall when he reaches it. In verses 33 and 34, this is a famous cause of revelation that is mentioned. And Allah Azza wa knows best about its authenticity, but it's mentioned in the vast majority of the books of Tafsir. And that is a verse 33 refers to Al-Walid ibn Al-Mughira. This is the man that is being referred to by the author. That Al-Walid ibn Al-Mughira came close at one stage to accepting Islam. So one of the other leaders of Quraysh said to him, don't do so. Don't accept Islam, and if there is punishment, I will take it from you. And that's why Allah says, look at this man who turns away. I will take it from you. I will bear Allah's punishment on your behalf, on the condition though that you pay me instead. So don't worry about this religion, I'll bear your punishment and you pay me. So Walid ibn Mughira not only doesn't accept Islam, he pays the man in the hope that he will bear the punishment that Allah, if there is a punishment that Allah places upon him, the man will bear it from him, and that is what is being referred to. Does he have knowledge of the unseen, enabling him to see? Does he know of anyone else who is able to remove the punishment of the next world from him? This is a reference to Al-Walid ibn al-Mughira or someone else. Or has he not been informed what is in the text of Musa, i.e. the scrolls of the Torah or the scrolls revealed before his time? 
and the scrolls of Ibrahim were paid his dues in full. In other words, did what he was commanded to do. As Allah confirms in his words, remember when Ibrahim was tested by his Lord with certain words which he accomplished completely. In uh, verses 36 and 37, Allah mentions these two prophets, Ibrahim and Musa السلام, and he mentions for them revelations. And he calls them the suhuf, the scrolls. And number one, it shows that Ibrahim السلام, received divine revelation. He received a book and it is known as the scroll, Suhufi Ibrahim, as will come at the end of Surah Al-A'la, Suhufi Ibrahim wa Musa. And the scholars differ as to the scrolls of Musa. Are they the same as the Torah or different to the Torah? And that is a discussion, inshallah, that we will have at the end of Surah Al-A'la, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. That's no burden bearer, i.e. soul can bear another's burden. In other words, another sins. That man will have nothing but what he strives for, i.e. not what someone else strives for. And in verse 39 is today's question that I have for you. This verse Allah Azza wa says that you only get what you have, what you strive for. But in the previous surah, Surah Al-Tur, we mentioned the verse in which Allah Azza wa says that if a person has Iman and their children follow them, then they will be elevated to that status. So how do we reconcile between verses in the Quran that say that you only get what you have and other verses that seem to say that actually you benefit from what others can give you as well? That is the question for today. That his striving will most certainly be seen in the next world. That he will then receive repayment of the fullest kind for his striving. That the ultimate end is with your Lord, meaning all will return to him after death and he will repay them. That it is he who brings about both laughter and tears, meaning Allah makes whomsoever he wishes laugh with joy and causes sorrow to whomsoever he wishes. In verse 43 Allah says he makes whomsoever he wills, he brings both laughter and tears. And one tafsir is the one that Al-Mahalli rahimahullah gives, meaning that is the tafsir in terms of the dunya. He brings happiness or sorrow to whomsoever he wills. The position of Imam Al-Tabari is that it refers to the akhirah. He will make the people of Jannah happy and the people of the fire sorrowful. They will be the ones in tears. وَأَنَّهُ هُوَ أَمَاتَ That it is he who brings about both death, i.e. this world, and life at the resurrection. وَأَنَّهُ خَلَقَ الزَّوْجَيْنِ الذَّكَرَ وَالْأُنْثَى That he created the two sexes, male and female. مِن نُطْفَةٍ إِذَا تُمْنَى Out of a sperm drop when it spurted forth and lodged in the womb. وَأَنَّ عَلَيْهِ النَّشْأَةَ الْأُخْرَى That he is responsible for the second existence, meaning the second creation for the resurrection, which is after the first creation. And the alternative reading of نَشْأَةَ is نَشَاءَةَ which is the reading of Abu Amr and Ibn Kathir. That it is he who enriches with wealth and who satisfies by giving it. That it is he who is the Lord of Sirius, referring to a star behind Jebelai which used to be worshipped in the Jahiliyyah. That he destroyed Ad, the earlier people. In verse 50, Allah calls him Adan al Ula, Ad the first. And why are they called Ad the first? As we mentioned before, because some of the scholars said that Thamud are the second Ad, because they are the remnants of the people of Ad. And others said that the meaning of Ad the first is because they are the first nation that came after the destruction of the floods of Nuh And so Allah Azza wa calls them the first in that regard, 
after everyone was destroyed upon the earth, they are the first nation that had a prophet. And Allah knows best. وَثَمُودَ فَمَا أَبْقَى And Thamud, i.e. the people of Salih as well sparing none of them, meaning so that not one of them remained. وَقَوْمَ نُوحٍ مِّن قَبْلُ إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا هُمْ أَظْلَمَ وَأَطَغَى And we destroyed the people of Nuh before, Aad and Thamud. They were most unjust and exorbitant. I am more unjust than Aad and Thamud because of the long time Nuh was among them. He remained among them for fifty short of a thousand years. After all that time, they still, not, they still, they still did not believe him and harmed him but hit him. And the overturned city which he turned upside down, meaning the city of the people of Lord. Allah made it crash down after raising it up into the sky and then turning, turning it upside down when he commanded Jibreel to do so. So that's what i.e. stones enveloped it, enveloped it, and they were stupefied with terror. We read in Surah Tawud, we turned the cities upside down and rained down on them stones of hard baked clay. Which one of your Lord's blessings do you then dispute? The blessings of Allah indicate His oneness and power. So, O human being, do you doubt or deny? This, i.e. from Muhammad وسلم, is a warning like the warnings of old. In other words, he is a messenger like the messengers before him. He has been sent to you as they, would be, as they were sent to their people. In verse 56, the scholars differ. What is this referring to? This. Some of them said it refers to what has been mentioned. These, what you have heard, that is the meaning of هذا. And others said it refers to the Prophet ﷺ and the reason why they differ is because Allah says like the messengers before and therefore is it referring to what is being mentioned in terms of the instructions that were given to all of the nations or the Prophet ﷺ himself and the scholars, both of them are positions amongst the scholars of tafsir The imminent is imminent i.e. the resurrection is there no one besides Allah can unveil it. None can reveal it and make it make it appear except Him. This is like Allah's words. He alone will reveal it at His proper time. Are you then amazed at this discourse, i.e. the Quran? Do you deny it? And laugh and do not cry, i.e. do you mock and not weep at, the, at, at the, His promise and threat? Treating life as a game, meaning playing about and heedless about what he asks of you. In verse 61, many of the scholars of Tafsir said that it is anything which distracts a person from Allah and a number of the scholars of Tafsir, including Abdullah ibn Abbas, made the Tafsir of this verse with music. Made the Tafsir of this verse as being music. That it is music that distracts people and that is one of the greatest forms of distraction. And it is one of them for the verses and tafsir that the scholars use to show the prohibition of music. And Allah Azza wa knows best. Prostrate before Allah who created you and worship Him. Do not prostrate to idols and do not worship them. Yeah. 54. Surah Al-Qamar, the moon. This surah is Meccan except for Ayat 45, which is Medina. It has 55 Ayats. This is the 54th surah of the Qur'an called Suratul Qamar, referring to the moon, by which Allah Azza wa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will mention in the beginning of this surah. And it is a Makki surah according to the vast majority of the scholars of tafsir, except with the exception of one or two verses that some of the scholars differed over. And from the names that this surah is known by in the early works of hadith, 
is Surah Iqtarabat al-Sa'a. So it is known as Surah Al-Qamar and in some narrations of hadith such as in Al-Bukhari and others, it is known as Surah Iqtarabat al-Sa'a which is taken from the opening words of the Surah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Iqtarabat al-Sa'a wa shaqqa al-Qamar. The hour of the rising has drawn near and the moon is split, i.e. into two halves over the hill of Qabais. As a sign for him, may Allah bless him and grant him peace. He was asked for it and he said, Bear witness. And Bukhari and Muslim related this. And this is referring to the miracle that the Prophet was given. As mentioned in the hadith in Al-Bukhari, Muslim of Anas, that the people of Mecca demanded a sign and they wanted him to split the moon. So the Prophet asked Allah to do so and he did so. To the extent that the split moon either side or either half of the moon was in between a mountain, the mountain of Abu Qubais, as is mentioned. And so therefore it was split not just a small crack, but split wide apart. And then the moon was joined again. But instead of believing, the Quraysh turned away and said that this was a form of magic as Allah will mention in verse 2. If they, the unbelievers of Quraysh, see a sign, i.e. a miracle of the Prophet they turn away saying, there is no end to this witchcraft. It is prolonged, strong sorcery. Sihrun Mustamir at the end of verse number 2 has two meanings. The first is what the author mentions, that it is extremely strong magic. And number 2, however, that it is false magic, meaning that they denied it. So it is magic that appears strong, but it is false. And this is so similar to the story of Pharaoh. When Musa Islam first shows him the snake, he says, this seems to be some strong magic, for I will bring all of my magicians and they will show that it is false. And that is similar to what the Quraysh are saying. They have denied the truth, meaning the Prophet and followed their false swims and desires. But everything good and evil has its time, i.e. and is fixed. And their adherents will be in the garden and the fire respectively. News has come to them which contains a threat, meaning information about the destruction of the nations who deny their messengers. It contains a harsh deterrence. Consumates, i.e. total wisdom, but warnings are profitless. So turn away from them. On the day the summoner, Israfim, summons them to something unspeakably terrible. Something which souls find atrocious and horrible, that is the reckoning. In the alternate need reading is Nukr, with, with, a, with a sukoon on the calf, and that is the reading of Ibn Kathir. They will emerge from their graves with downcast eyes, i.e., humble, like swarming locusts, not knowing where to go out of fear of confusion. In verse number 7, the alternate reading is Khushya'an and Khashi'an. Khashi'an is the reading of Abu Amr and Hamza and Ali and Khalaf amongst others. Allah Azza wa Jal says in verse number 7 that when the people first emerge from their graves, they will be like Jaradun Muntashir. They will be like swarming locusts. And in another verse in the Quran, Allah Azza wa Jal in Surah Al-Qari'ah describes the people as Al-Farash Al-Mabthuth, as moths that are directed towards light, just as a moth will travel towards light and it will burn and it will die. And some of the scholars said it is amazing how Allah created that creature, the moth, 
that it knows that it will probably die and they must see other moths dying but they still are attracted to the light and they still die. The difference between the two, Allah says here that they are scattered, not knowing which direction to go to. But in Surah Qari'ah they have a direction, they're like moths going to the light. And that is because Allah the scholars of Tafsir say that this will be their first emergence. When the people first emerge, they are like uh, locusts, like a swarm of locusts, every, going in every direction, out of terror and fear. And then when they are called, as Allah will say in the next verse, they will be called. And once they are called by the caller, then they will go in a single direction like the moths towards the light. And Allah knows best. مهطعين إلى الداعي يقول الكافرون هذا يوم عسير. Next outstretched, eyes transfixed, rushing headlong to the summoner. The unbelievers will say, "This is a pitiless day." Meaning for the unbelievers, as in Surah Al-Mudathir, that day will be a difficult day, not easy, not easy for the unbelievers. So in verse number eight, now they are called مهطعين إلى الداعي. They will head towards the summoned voice that they hear, and that is the difference between. What Allah Azza wa mentions in verse 7 and what is mentioned in Surah Al-Qari'ah. Before them, Ayah Quraysh, the people of Nuh denied the truth. They denied our slave, meaning Nuh, saying he is a madman, and he was driven away with jeers, i.e. insults and other things. He called upon his Lord, I am overwhelmed, so help me. So we opened the gates of heaven with torrential water. And the other alternative reading is Fattahna, which is the reading of Ibn Amir and Abu Ja'far and Yaqub. Fattahna. وَفَجَّرْنَا الْأَرْضَ عُيُونًا فَالْتَقَ الْمَاءُ عَلَىٰ أَمْرٍ قَدْ قُدِرٍ he made the earth burst forth with gushing springs, and the waters of heaven and earth met together in a way which is decreed for time. That was the decree that Noah's people would be destroyed by drowning. We bore him, meaning Noah, on a plant and well caught. I.e., the word used here, Dusur, is a palm fibre cord, or other things used to bind ships planks together, i.e., ship being the ark. In verse number 13, Allah Azzawajal says, the ship was that al-wah wa dusur. Al-wah refers to the planks of the ship. And dusur, I don't know if well corked is the correct translation, but dusur is what binds those planks together. And the scholars differ as to what binded them. One of them is the position that Al-Muhalli takes that it was a type of rope. But the other position chosen by Imam al-Tabari, one of the early scholars of Tafsir from the Salaf, said that it was nails. Al-dusur refers to nails. So Allah says, we, call, we, we carried him on planks and nails. And that is to show Allah's sign and miracle for him that this is the greatest flood that the earth will ever see. And he's on planks and nails. But despite the fragility of what he had and its feebleness, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it sufficient for him. Because it is not about the planks or the wood or the material. It is about Allah's divine care and his divine protection subhanahu wa ta'ala. Which ran before our eyes, i.e. with our knowledge, meaning it was reserved and protected. A reward for him who had been rejected, meaning help for North by drowning them. That was their punishment. And in verse 14, that again needs to be corrected in terms of the meaning of the word our eyes. 
Because sometimes it is done to misinterpret the attribute of Allah Azza wa Jal by saying that it refers to knowledge or something else instead. Yes, it is knowledge. And yes, it is Allah's preservation and protection. But that is a secondary meaning. And the primary meaning is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has attributes that are affirmed for him in the manner which befits his majesty subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَقَدْ تَرَكْنَاهَا آيَةً فَهَلْ مِنْ مُدَّكِرٍ We left it. I, this action, as a sign for anyone who reflects. Because knowledge of it is widespread and will continue to spread. But is there any remember there? Is there anyone who will reflect and be warned by it? فَكَيْفَ كَانَ عَذَابِي وَنُذُرٍ How terrible were my punishments and warnings. This is confirmation in the form of a rhetorical question, intended to make those addressed affirm the fact that Allah's punishment descended on those who denied the offering. وَلَقَدْ يَسَّرْنَا الْقُرْآنَ لِلذِّكْرِ فَهَلْ مِنْ مُدَّكِرٍ We have made the Qur'an easy to remember. We made it easy to memorize and an immediate reminder to people. But is there any remember of that? Is there any who is admonished by it and memorizes it? The question here is an instruction, or the object of encouraging people to memorize it and be admonished by it. No other book is memorized by heart in the same way. كَذَّبَتْ عَادٌ فَكَيْفَ كَانَ عَذَابِي وَنُذُرٍ عَادٌ denied the truth. Their Prophet was soothed, and they were punished. How terrible were my punishments and warnings. Meaning, my warning to them before the punishment descended on them. Then Allah explains what that punishment was. <laughs> we unleashed a howling wind against them on a day of unremitting horror. That was in the last Wednesday of the month. It plucked up men like uprooted stumps. It sucked people up from pits in the earth in which they had taken refuge. It threw them on their heads and tore their necks so that their heads were ripped off their bodies. They looked like the stumps of palm trees cut down and fallen on the earth. They are likened to palm trees because of their heights. And this is the tafsir that Ibn Kathir chose also for verse number 20. That this was the manner of their destruction and this is how they then remained after that. فَكَيْفَ كَانَ عَذَابِي وَنُذُرُ how terrible were my punishments and warnings. وَلَقَدْ يَسَّرْنَا الْقُرْآنَ لِلذِّكْرِ فَهَلْ مِنْ مُدَّكِرٍ We have made the Qur'an easy to remember. But is there any remember there? كَذَّبَتْ ثَمُودُ بِالنُّذُرِ Thamud denied the warnings. These were the warnings brought by the Prophet Salih who warned them what would happen if they did not believe him and follow him. فَقَالُوا أَبَشَرًا مِنَّا وَاحِدًا نَتَّبِعُهُ إِنَّا إِذًا لَفِي ضَلَالٍ وَسُعُرٍ they said, are we to follow a human being, one of us? How can we follow a human being when, they, when we are a large group and he is only one of us and is not an angel? Meaning that they would not follow him. Then we would be truly misguided from what is correct and quite insane. Has a reminder, i.e. the revelation been given to them, been given to him, of all of us? They are saying that he has not been given revelation. No, indeed, he is an impudent liar. And what he says about being given revelation, he is arrogant and proud. Allah answers them, they will know tomorrow, meaning in the next world, who the impudent liar is. They will be punished for denying their Prophet Sallallahu We will send the she camel as a trial for them. It was brought out from a mountain of stone, as they had requested, as a test. Just keep a watchful eye on them. Salih and be steadfast, meaning wait and see what they do, and what will be done to them. 
Be patient in the face of their persecution. وَنَبِّئْهُمْ أَنَّ الْمَاءَ قِسْمَةٌ بَيْنَهُمْ كُلُّ شِرْبٍ مُحْتَضَرٌ Inform them that the water is to be shed out between them and the sheikh amal each by drinking, turn, drinking by turn. They would have it one day and the sheikh amal the next day, each having a share of the water. They continued for some time like this, but then they became dissatisfied with it and decided to kill the camel. فَنَادَوْ صَاحِبَهُمْ فَتَعَاطَى فَعَقَرُ they called on their companion Qudr to kill the camel and he took his sword and he set to it and hamstrung her and killed her as he had told him to. In verse 29, as we've mentioned before, the man, it is said in the books of Tafsir, his name was Qudar. And Qudar, it is said in some of those narrations and Allah knows best because they are not authentic hadith that there was a woman who had a number of beautiful daughters and she was one of those people who because of the she-camel coming and drinking from the watering hole and finishing it on certain days, she suffered financially and economically. So she said to this man who's from the worst of the people of Salih Islam, the people of Thamud, she said to him that you can marry, marry any of my daughters on one condition, that you must go and you must kill this camel. And that is what he accepted and that is what he did and that is why Allah Azzawajal refers to him in certain verses and refers to all of them because it was something which many of them supported in other verses. How terrible were my punishments and warnings to them about the punishment before it occurred. We sent a single blast against them and they were just like a fence's reeds. A fence is someone who makes an enclosure for his, for his flock from dried branches and thorns to protect them from wolves and wild animals. We have made the Qur'an easy to remember, but is there any member there? The people of Lot denied the warnings that he gave them. We unleashed a small spot of stones, meaning these are pebbles, small stones less than the size of the fist, against all of them, and they were destroyed, except the family of Lot and his sons or daughters. Sorry, except the family of Lord and his daughters, whom he rescued before dawn. This that the days are specified. In verse thirty four it is daughters. It is daughters that is being referred to, or you say children, uh, if you want to keep it uh, generic. It was a blessing direct from our presence. That is how we recompense those who give thanks. I hear reference to the believers or those who believe in Allah and his messenger and obey them. He, warned them of our onslaught, meaning to make them fear the punishment, but they argued, but they dismissed the warnings. And they even wanted to seduce his guests. They wanted him to let them have the people who came to him in the form of guests so that they could copulate with them. The guests were angels, so he put out their eyes, meaning Allah blinded them, and placed the place and made the place where their eyes had been skinned like the rest of their faces. When Jibril slapped them with his wings, we said to them, Taste, I experience my punishment and warnings. Early morning brought them enduring punishment, which is connected to punishment in the next world. Taste my punishment and warnings. وَلَقَدْ يَسَّرْنَا الْقُرْآنَ لِلذِّكْرِ فَهَلْ مِنْ مُدَّكِرِ We have made the Qur'an easy to remember, but is there any remember there? 
وَلَقَدْ جَاءَ آلَ فِرْعَوْنَ النُّذُرُ Warnings came to Pharaoh's people on the tongue of Musa and Harun but they did not believe. كَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِنَا كُلِّهَا فَأَخَذْنَاهُمْ أَخْذَ عَزِيزٍ مُقْتَدِرٍ They dismissed every one of our, sign, of our nine signs that Musa was given and so we seized them with the punishments. I am seizing of one who is almighty or powerful against whom none can stand. أَكُفَّارُكُمْ خَيْرٌ مِّنْ أُولَٰئِكُمْ أَمْ لَكُمْ بَرَاءَةٌ فِي الزُّبُرِ Are you unbelievers Quraysh? Better than those people mentioned from the people of Nuh السلام, to those of Pharaoh, they were not excused. Or have you, unbelievers in the Quraysh, been given exemption from the punishment in the books? Both questions demand a negative response. Um, this is not the case. Am Or do they, I, the unbelievers of Quraysh, say, We are an assembly who win against Muhammad. When Abu Jahl said on the day of Badr, We are an assembly who win, the following ayah was revealed. سَيُهْزَمُ الْجَمْعُ وَيُوَلُّونَ الدُّبُرُ The assembly will be routed and will turn their backs in flight. They were defeated at Badr and the Messenger of Allah وسلم, was victorious against them. In verses 44 and 45, the difficulty in the tafsir that the author Allah, is giving is that the surah is Makki and the battle of Badr takes place in Medina. So therefore to refer to a specific statement of Abu Jahal and then response to that is something which then is difficult to reconcile with the surah being a Makki surah. So therefore the verses are general verses that Allah Azza wa informs them that a time will come when you will defeat this great host and you will fight back. And that's why Umar radiallahu said in what is written in Bukhari that when I saw the Prophet making dua on the day of Badr and the Quraysh lining up in a great host, I knew that they would suffer defeat. And perhaps that is because he took the verse of this, Quran, of this, of this, this verse in the Quran, in the book of Allah Azza wa بَلِ السَّاعَةُ مَوْعِدُهُمْ وَالسَّاعَةُ أَدْهَا وَأَمَرُ In fact, the hour is their promised appointment for their punishment. And the hour is more disastrous and bitter than their punishment in this world. إِنَّ الْمُجْرِمِينَ فِي ضَلَالٍ وَسُعَرُ The evildoers are indeed misguided and insane. I.e. destroyed by killing in this world and punished by an intense fire in the next world. The word as-su'ur in Arabic language in verse number 47 can mean two things. Number one is madness and insanity as translated here, or the other one is fire. So Allah Azza wa says that the misguided will be people who are, the evildoers are people who are misguided and burned in fire. And that is a position chosen by Tabri and Kathir and others, because normally the word su'ur means fire, more than it means insanity and madness. And those scholars who said man, insanity and madness were the minority. So then what does it mean that the evildoers are misguided and fire? Al-Tabari ibn Kathir ta'ala said it means the internal fire, meaning their lack of contentment within them. That the fire rages within them because of a lack of iman, a lack of contentment, because of the doubts that they have, because of one of the problems that they have, the diseases of the heart, it is as if an internal fire rages within them. يَوْمَ يُسْحَبُونَ فِي النَّارِ عَلَىٰ وُجُوهِهِمْ On the day they are dragged, that they are dragged face first into the fire in the next world. They will be told, taste the scorching touch of shakar. This is what they will be told when the heat of Jahannam hits them. We have created all things in due measure, meaning in a predetermined amount. And in the hadith of Abu Hurairah, the cause of revelation for verse number 49 in Sahih Muslim, hadith of Abu Hurairah is that the Quraysh came to the Prophet disputing qadr, that Allah decrees things. And so the Prophet ﷺ received this revelation. Allah says that He created everything 
in its correct amount and in a predetermined way. وَمَا أَمْرُنَا إِلَّا وَاحِدَةٌ كَلَمْحٍ بِالْبَصَرٍ Our command when we desire something to come into existence is only one word, like the blinking of an eye in quickness. It is his word, be, upon which comes it, upon which it comes into existence. His command when he desires a thing is simply to say, is simply to say to it, be, and it is. وَلَقَدْ أَهْلَكْنَا أَشْيَاعَكُمْ فَهَلْ مِنْ مُدَّكِرٍ We destroy those of your kind. I like you in respect of unbelief in the past nations. But is there any remember there? This is a command meaning. Remember and be warned. Everything they did is in the books. Everything Allah's slaves have done is in the books recorded by their guardian angels. Everything, i.e. wrong or right actions, is recorded in the preserved tablets, great or small. The people who are God-fearing will be with gardens and rivers. I, although the singular river here is used, it is generic and means rivers. They will drink from its rivers of water, milk and honey and wine. في مقعد صدق عند مليك مقتدر. On seats of honor, I seats of truth with no prattle or wrongdoing in them. They will be in the gathering in the gardens, free of prattle and wrongdoing, which is not the case with gatherings of this world, which are only free from that in the presence of an all-powerful king, one with a mighty kingdom who is vast, for whom there is nothing which is beyond his power, that is Allah. This indicates the high rank and nearness are part of his bounty. In verse 55, the alternate reading of maqa'id, maqa'id is the reading of the mutawatir qira'at. Maqa'id is a peculiar reading. It is a shad reading, maqa'id. Allah Azza says, fi maqa'adi sidq. They will have seats of truthfulness. Sidq means truthfulness more than it means honor. And what it means is that they will have seats of truthfulness because in Jannah, there will be no evil speech, no lying, no false speech. That is, that's what it means, that they have seats of truthfulness because there is no lying. And that is what it's referring to and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. 55. Surah Ar-Rahman, Yawm This surah is Medinan, except for Ayah 29. It has 76 or 78 ayats. This is the 55th surah of the Quran, Surah Ar-Rahman, named after the name of Allah Azza wa Jal Ar-Rahman, meaning the All-Merciful. Al-Mahalli, at least in the editions that I checked of the Tafsir of Jalalain, says that the surah is Makki and not Madani. So he says that it is Makki and not Madani. And that is the position of the majority of the scholars, even though there are scholars who said that the surah is Madani. So that is in an opinion that exists. However, Al-Mahalli, at least according to the editions that I checked of Al-Jalalain, says that the surah is a, a Makki surah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Ar-Rahman. Your merciful, referring to Allah. Allama al-Qur'an. Taught the Qur'an to whomsoever he wished. خلق الإنسان. He created man, i.e. generically met. علمه البيان. And taught him clear expression. In these four verses, Allah Azza wa begins by taking an oath, uh, not taking an oath, by describing himself subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah Azza wa mentions the teaching of the Qur'an before he mentions creation. Even though the creation of Allah comes first chronologically speaking. And this is a methodology often found in the Qur'an. That Allah Azza wa Jal, you will find at the beginning of Surah Al-Kahf, you will find at the beginning of Surah Al-Araq as well. That Allah Azza wa begins with knowledge and revelation before creation. Iqra' bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq. Read in the name of your Lord who created. Even though the reading of the Qur'an comes much further down the line from the beginning of creation. And that is because Allah Azza wa begins with what is more important. 
And what is more important than the creation of the heavens and the earth is Tawheed and worshipping Allah Azza wa Jal and understanding the revelation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Verse number 4 He taught him clear expression and as Al-Tabari said he taught him how to say Al-Halal from Haram. He taught him to teach the religion in terms of what Allah wants and what Allah Azza wa Jal does not want. Al-Shamsu wal-Qamaru bi-Husban The sun and the moon both run with precision. والنجم والشجر يسجدان. The stars and the trees all bow down in prostration. It's said that the stars can also said that stars can also be plants without stalks or trunks. They all submit to whatever Allah desires. In verse number six, as the author Taala mentions, the scholars again differ as to the meaning of the stars in this verse, and that is because Allah speaks about a shajar, and they say a shajar. Or the stars, some of the scholars said it is stars, such as Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin rahimahullah, he said it is stars in the sky. Others said, shajar are the trees that have stalks, meaning that you have a trunk and a tree. The najm here are those plants that have no trunks, so they are upon the ground. And that is the tafsir that they gave. najmu was shajar, and that is the position chosen by Imam al-Tabari, that they refer to plants and not to actual stars. The meaning of them prostrating is also something that they differed upon. Some of them said it means that they submit to Allah. Prostration as in they submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Another said prostration as in they prostrate when the shade of the sun hits them. As the shade moves from one place to another. It is as if they prostrate to Allah azza wa And that was the position chosen also by Imam al-Tabari. Rahimahullah ta'ala. He erected heaven and established the balance of justice. And that is the tafsir of Ibn Kathir al-Tabri as well. That the balance refers to the justice that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down. So that you would not transgress the balance and not be unjust in respect of what you were asked. وَأَقِيمُ الْوَزْنَ بِالْقِسْطِ وَلَا تُخْسِرُ الْمِيزَانِ Give just weights. Do not skimp in the balance. I give you short weights. وَالْأَرْضَ وَضَعَهَا لِلْأَنَامِ He laid out the earth for all living creatures and made it firm for men, jinn and others. فِيهَا فَاكِهَةٌ ذَاتُ الْأَكْمَامِ In it are fruits and date palms which cover the space. And grains on leafy stems and fragrant herbs. Grains are crop are crops like wheat and barley, but it is also said to include things like figs. The herbs are the basil or all sweet-smelling herbs. In verse number 12, and that is the position of many of the scholars of tafsir. The difference between al-habb al-asf and al-rayhan is al-habb refers to grains, like wheat and barley and rice and so on. And al-rayhan is the herbage that you find on the ground. And the scholars, <coughs> such as Imam al-Tabari said, because Allah Azza wa differentiates between what people eat and what animals eat. The meaning is that Allah has provided for you from His blessings that which you consume and that which your livestock and your animals consume. So which of your Lord's blessings do you both, i.e. mankind and jinn then deny? The question is for confirmation according to what Hakim related that Jabir said, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi recited Surah Al-Rahman to us right to the end and then said, why do I see you silent? The jinn had a better reply than you. Once I, replied, once I recited them this ayat, so which of your Lord's blessings do you both then deny? They said, we do not deny any of your blessings. Our Lord, all praise is yours. And this relation, or this narration rather, that is mentioned as being the narration of Al-Hakim is also collected by Imam Al-Tirmidhi. And a number of scholars said it is Hassan. 
And from those scholars who said that there is an acceptable narration is Shaykh al-Bani, rahimahullah ta'ala. So the hadith is an authentic and acceptable narration. Allah Azza wa Jalla says, So which of your Lord's blessings do you both then deny? And this will come a number of times. This verse will be repeated numerous times in the Quran. And it is an example of repetition in the Quran done in many ways in a single surah. And that is, the scholars then say, what is the purpose of that repetition? Some of them said that it is just repetition for the sake of repetition. But that is a weak opinion. Because as we said before, there is nothing in the Quran that is just done for the sake of it being done. The correct position amongst the scholars of tafsir, therefore, is that the repetition of do you deny the favors of your Lord is in context of every set of blessings that Allah mentions. Allah mentions blessings and then he says to them, will you deny these? And then mentions another group of blessings and then again says, will you deny these? So each one of those verses for the is a question as it relates to what has preceded in between those two verses that are repeated in terms of blessings that Allah has bestowed. So for example, the opening passage speaks about Allah's blessings of the heavens and the earth. Will you deny those blessings? Then the second passage is about Allah's creation of the humans and the jinn. Will you deny those blessings? And so on and so forth. خَلَقَ الْإِنسَانَ مِنْ صَلْصَالٍ كَالْفَخَّارِ He created man, meaning Adam from dry earth like baked clay, i.e. dry clay, which makes a sound when it is hollow. وَخَلَقَ الْجَانَّ مِنْ مَارِجٍ مِنْ نَارِ And he created the father of the jinn, Iblis, from a fusion of flame, from a fusion of fire, i.e. flames free of smoke. فَبِأَيِّ آلَاءِ رَبِّكُمَا تُكَذِّبَانِ So which of your Lord's blessings do you both then deny? رَبُّ الْمَشْرِقَيْنِ وَرَبُّ الْمَغْرِبَيْنِ The Lord of the two Easts and the Lord of the two Earths, meaning the East and West of the summer and the East and West of the winter. فَبِأَيِّ آلَاءِ رَبِّكُمَا تُكَذِّبَانِ So which of your Lord's blessings do you both then deny? مَرَجَ الْبَحْرَيْنِ يَلْتَقِيَانِ he has let loose the two seas, i.e. the sweet and the salty, which the eye sees as converging together. With a barrier or the power of Allah Almighty between them, they do not break through. Neither of them enroaches on the other and mixes with it. So which of your Lord's blessings do you both then deny? From out of them come glistening pearls and coral. I actually from one of them the salt sea. So which of your Lord's blessings do you both then deny? His two of the ships sailing like mountain peaks on the sea, meaning like mountains because of their size and height. So which of your Lord's blessings do you both then deny? Everyone on it will pass away, i.e. all living creatures on the earth will die. The use of the pronoun for intelligent beings predominates. But the face of your Lord, i.e. his immense essence, will remain, master of majesty and generosity. He is generous to the believers by blessing them. So which of your Lord's blessings do you both then deny? In verse 27, Allah Azza wa says, وَيَبْقَى وَجْهُ رَبِّكَ But the face of your Lord, and the author says, His immense essence. 
and that is ta'weel. It is misinterpreting the face of Allah Azza wa Jal to represent Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. But as we said before, we affirm that Allah Azza wa Jal has a face because Allah affirms it for Himself subhanahu wa ta'ala as did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. These verses, kullu man alayha fan, everything on it will pass away. Some of the scholars said he means that everything upon earth is equal in this regard, meaning all of them will have death. Another said it means that each of them will come and stand before their Lord and be held to account on the day of judgment. يَسْأَلُهُ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ كُلَّ يَوْمٍ هُوَ فِي شَأْنٍ Everyone in the heavens and earth requests his aid. The asking is by words or state for the strength they need to ask for Allah, provision, forgiveness and other things. Every day he is engaged in some affair. At every moment Allah manifests something according to what he has decreed before time. In terms of giving life, taking life, exalting, abasing, enriching, impoverishing, answering supplication, giving to the one who asks and other similar things. فَبِأَيِّ آلَاءِ رَبِّكُمَا تُكَذِّبَانِ So which of your Lord's blessings do you want to deny? سَنَفْرُغُ لَكُمْ أَيُّهَا الثَّقَلَانِ Soon we will settle your affairs, you two eighty throngs. We will deal with your reckoning, mankind and jinn. فَبِأَيِّ آلَاءِ رَبِّكُمَا تُكَذِّبَانِ So which of your Lord's blessings do you want to deny? In verse 31, Allah Azza wa refers to humans and jinn as the two weighty throngs. أَيُّهَا الثَّقَلَانِ Thaqeel means something which is burdensome and heavy. And some of the scholars said that Allah refers to them as thaqalan because of the heaviness and the burden of their sins. That is what is being referred to. And others from amongst the scholars of Tafsir said it is because of their mass, because there are so many of them in number, so therefore they are weighty when upon the earth. يَا مَعْشَرَ الْجِنِّ وَالْإِنسِ إِنِ اسْتَطَعْتُمْ أَن تَنْفُذُوا مِنْ أَقْطَارِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ فَانْفُذُوا لَا تَنْفُذُونَ إِلَّا بِسُلْطَانِ Company of jinn and men, if you are able to pierce through the confines of the heavens and earth, pierce through them. Can you go beyond the confines of heaven and earth? You will not pierce through except the clear authority. That is impossible, except with the strength which you do not possess. So which of your Lord's favours, so which of your Lord's blessings do you both deny? He will pursue you with a piercing flame, meaning a smokeless flame, and fiery smoke, i.e. hot, flameless smoke, and you will not be helped against that. They will be driven to the gathering. So which of your Lord's blessings do you both then deny? We mentioned the Surah Rahman, Allah Azza wa speaks about his blessings and then he mentions However in verse 35 it is not a blessing, it is a punishment that Allah is referring to. So how then do we understand this? Because Allah Azza wa is saying is that he will punish them in this way. And that is because from Allah's blessings is the warnings and the punishment that he gives. It is a blessing for the believers because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala differentiates them from the disbelievers and Allah azza wa rids them of the evil and the harm of those people who are deserving of that punishment. And that is why as we said, blessings or trials can be blessings or can be punishment. So likewise Allah azza wa punishment is a blessing in a different form and for different people. فَإِذَا شَقَّتِ السَّمَاءُ فَكَانَتْ وَرْدَةً كَدِّهَانِ When heaven is split apart, I in the gates of heaven are opened and the angels descend, and goes red like bread's void. It will be a chestnut red like red leather which is not in its normal color. There will be a great terror. 
And that is because in verse 37, the word wardatan kadihan, some of them said it is like oil that is red, and others of them said it is like the skin of a donkey. Once it is tanned and it turns red. And that is why you have those two different opinions. So which of those blessings do you both in denial? That day, no man or jinn will be asked about his sin. They will be asked about it at another time. By our Lord, we will question them all, every one of them. Here the word for jinn, al-jan, is a generic term for all the jinn, as the word ins is generic for all of mankind. So which of you those blessings do you both in deny? In verse 39 at the end, the word jinn, or al-jan, is a generic term for all of the jinn in the world. As the word ins, meaning humankind, is generic for all of mankind. I-N-S, meaning ins, which is Arabic for humans. The evildoers will be recognized by their mark, meaning the darkness of their faces and blueness of their eyes, and seized by their forelocks and their feet. So which of your Lord's blessings do you both in deny? They will be told when the evildoers are seized by their forelocks and feet are flung into the hell. This is hell which the evil do is denied. They will go back and forth between fire and scalding water. They will drink scalding water when they seek help from the heat of the fire. So which of your blessings do you both in deny? For those who fear the station of their Lord, for those who fear the station of their Lord, i.e. the time when they will stand before him for the reckoning, and to do not disobey him, there are two gardens. And this is what is mentioned by Ibn Qayyim and Ibn Kathir, that the meaning of waliman khafa maqama rabbih, they fear the station of their Lord, meaning the day that they will stand before him. That is the station before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as mentioned by Ibn Kathir, Ibn Qayyim and others, alayhima rahmatullah. And this verse shows that there will be levels of Jannah that are higher and levels of Jannah that are less. Because in verse 62, Allah will say, وَمِن دُونِهِمَا جَنَّتَانِ And below them are two other gardens. The Prophet ﷺ said in the Hadith al-Bukhari, there are two gardens of gold. Everything within them, from vessels and everything else, is from gold. And then there are two gardens of silver. Everything within them, from vessels and everything else, are from silver. And there will be nothing between the people and between seeing their Lord, except the veil that covers him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or the veil between them and between their Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why the scholars say that it is that attaining Jannah is difficult, requires hard work and it requires determination and self-discipline. But those who are able to do that and have that self-discipline, Allah will give to them the greatest of rewards. For those people who fear that day, when they will stand before their Lord and be held to account, Allah has prepared for them the greatest of reward. And that is why the Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the hadith, Man khafa adlaj. وَمَنْ أَدْلَجَ بَلَغَ الْمَنْزِلِ أَلَا إِنَّ سِلْعَةَ اللَّهِ غَالِيَ أَلَا إِنَّ سِلْعَةَ اللَّهِ الْجَنَّةِ Whosoever fears that they will be late for something leaves early. And whoever leaves early will arrive on time. Indeed, what Allah is selling is, is precious and expensive, for indeed what Allah is selling is Jannah. Just as if I have to be somewhere and I know it's going to take me an hour, I leave an hour and a half before if it's extremely important to me. If I don't care, I don't bother. But if it's important to me, 
and something depends upon it that's important, I will make sure that I'm there early, inshallah, because whoever takes that precaution arrives. Likewise, the Prophet is saying, don't just think you will get into Jannah with the minimum, but rather prepare for it. Because if you prepare, then inshallah, even if you make mistakes, at least you've achieved the minimum. But if you only aim for the minimum, getting there on time, what if you don't achieve that? What is beyond the paradise except for the punishment of Allah and how fire? So which of your Lord's blessings do you both then deny? Shaded by spreading branches. So which of your Lord's blessings do you both then deny? In them are two clear filled springs. So which of your Lord's blessings do you both then deny? In them are two kinds of every fruit of this world, or simply two kinds of any sort of fruits. They are fresh and dry, and the kind which is bitter in this world, like colocynth or the sweet earth. So which of your Lord's blessings do you both then deny? متكئين على فرش بطائنها من استبرق وجن الجنتين دان. They will be reclining on couches lined with rich brocade, experiencing delight, the fruits of the gardens hanging close to hand, meaning they are brought, they are brought right up to everyone there, whether they are standing, sitting, or lying down. فبأي آلاء ربكما تكذبان؟ So which of your Lord's blessings do you both then deny? In them, meaning both gardens, as well as, as well as in the high buildings and palaces which are there, are maidens with, with eyes for them alone, only looking at their reclining husbands, whether human or jinn, untouched before them by either man or jinn. These are some sorts, these are some of the furies and some women from this world. Because there is two positions amongst the scholars with tafsir that this verse referred to the women of the dunya, the believing women that Allah Azza wa Jal will reward in this way, or does it refer to the Hurul Ain? And this will come later on in Surah Al Waqi'ah in more detail. So which of your Lord's blessings do you both then deny? Like precious gems, a pure ruby and white pearl. So which of your Lord's blessings do you both then deny? Will the reward for doing good and acts of obedience be anything other than good, I mean in the bliss of the garden? So which of your Lord's blessings do you both deny? As well as those two gardens, there will be two other gardens. For those who fear the time, they will stand before their Lord. So which of your Lord's blessings do you both deny? Of deep viridian green. They appear black from the intensity of their greatness. Greens. Uh, of deep radiant greens. They appear black from the intensity of their greenness. So which of your Lord's blessings do you both deny? 
فيهما عينان نضاختان and then are two gushing springs فبأي آناء ربكما تكذبان so which of your Lord's blessings do you both deny فيهما فاكهة ونخل ورمان and then are fruits and date palms and pomegranates these are said to be the same as those in this world but are also said to be quite different فَبِأَيِّ آلَاءِ رَبِّكُمَا تُكَذِّبَانِ So which of your Lord's blessings do you both in deny? فِيهِنَّ خَيْرَاتٌ حِسَانٌ In them are sweet, lovely maidens of good character and with beautiful faces. فَبِأَيِّ آلَاءِ رَبِّكُمَا تُكَذِّبَانِ So which of your Lord's blessings do you both in deny? حُورٌ مَقْصُورَاتٌ فِي الْخِيَامِ Dark-eyed, secluded in cool pavilions. The black and white of their eyes is very intense. And they are veiled in pavilions made of hollowed out pearls beside the palaces. So which of your Lord's blessings do you both deny? Untouched before them by either man or jinn. So which of your Lord's blessings do you both deny? متكئين على رفرف خضر وعبقري حسان. Their wives and their companions are reclining on green quilts. فبأي آلاء ربكما تكذبان. So which of your Lord's blessings do you both deny? تبارك اسم ربك ذي الجلال والإكرام. Blessed be the name of your Lord, Master of Majesty and Generosity. This is a repetition of an ayat of the Quran. And this is the beauty of this surah. That Allah Azza wa describes in vivid detail the blessings and the rewards of the people of Jannah for those people who can fear the station before their Lord and that day of accounting. And it is recommended that the scholars used to read these verses at times, especially when they find certain aspects of the dunya difficult and certain challenges upon them. And you have to remind yourself as to why it is that you're being patient and persevering and why that you're tolerating the difficulties and the challenges and the whisperings of shaitan and the temptations of the dunya that you recite surahs and passages like this and understand them because Allah through them gives you that hope and gives you that reassurance that you need that inshallah ta'ala with that patience and perseverance you have the greatest of reward bi'ithnillahi ta'ala 56 Surah Al-Waqa'a The Eucharist This surah is Meccan except for ayats 81 and 82 which are Medina There's 96, 97 and 99 ayats in the 56th surah of the Quran, therefore, is Surah Al-Waqi'ah. And Al-Waqi'ah, as we will come in the first verse, is from the names of uh, Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And Waqa'ah means for something to take place, to occur. Which is why you have this translation here. It is a Makki surah according to the majority of the scholars of Tafsir. And as you can see here, there are some exceptions to that from some of the scholars of Tafsir as well. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. إِذَا وَقَعَتِ الْوَاقِعَةِ When the great event, meaning the resurrection occurs, لَيْسَ لِوَقَعَتِهَا كَاذِبَةِ None will deny its occurrence. I know someone will deny it then, as they denied it in this world. خَافِضَةُ الرَّافِعَةِ Bringing low, raising high. Some people will be brought low by being driven into the fire, while others will be raised high by being admitted into the garden. إِذَا رُجَّتِ الْأَرْضُ رَجَّةِ When the earth is convulsed violently, وَبُسَّتِ الْجِبَالُ بَسَّةِ And the mountains are crushed to powder. فَكَانَتْ هَبَاءً مُنْبَثَّةِ And become scattered flecks of dust in the air. وَكُنْتُمْ أَزْوَاجًا ثَلَاثَةِ And you will be classed into three on the day of rising. 
فأصحاب الميمنة ما أصحاب الميمنة. The companions of the right. What are the companions of the right? They are the people who are given their books in their right hands. This exalts their position because they will enter the paradise. وأصحاب المشأمة ما أصحاب المشأمة. The companions of the left. What are the companions of the left? These are given their books in their left hands, and they will be in their left hands, and they will be debased because they will enter the fire. والسابقون السابقون. And the foreigners, the foreigners. Those who raise first to do good, they are the prophets. Those who raise first to good, they are the prophets. Repetition is used to stress their importance. In these verses, Allah Azza wa Jalla says that on the day of Qiyamah there will be three groups. And also in the Quran, Allah said, "Jalla fi ula," that there are two: fariqun fi al-jannah wa fariqun fi al-sa'ir. A party in paradise and a party in the fire. And clearly, the understanding therefore here is that the people of the right and the people who are the forerunners are one group. They are all the people of Jannah, but Allah Azza wa Jalla has divided them into two. The author says concerning verse 10 that the Sabiqun are the Prophets and they are from the Sabiqin but not exclusively the Prophets. وَالسَّابِقُونَ well, السَّابِقُونَ are not just the Prophets of Allah but from the believers as well. And so it is not exclusive to them. But they are from them clearly they will be from that group but there are others as well. أُولَٰئِكَ الْمُقَرَّبُونَ Those are the ones brought in فِي جَنَّاتِ النَّعِيمِ In gardens of delight. ثُلَّةٌ مِّنَ الْأَوَّلِينَ A large group of the early people of past nations. وَقَلِيلٌ مِّنَ الْآخِرِينَ A few of the later ones. A few of the community of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They are the foreigners of past nations in this nation. The scholars differ concerning these verses 13 and 14. ثُلَّةٌ مِّنَ الْأَوَّلِينَ وَقَلِيلٌ مِّنَ الْآخِرِينَ That the people who are the foreigners, meaning that they will have the highest levels of Jannah, the majority will be from the previous and few from the latter. What does the previous and the latter refer to? One position is the one that is mentioned by the author, rahimahullah, the previous, meaning from the previous nations, because they were many from the beginning of time until our time, the Prophet's time. So therefore, when all of them accumulatively are collected together, they become the majority, and we are still the minority. So therefore, we are from the later ones. And it's not speaking about numbers, but rather it was speaking about time and nations that come. They are the majority of nations, and we are one nation. And that is the position chosen by Imam Al-Tabari, and Muhammad al-Amin al-Shaqiti alayhi rahmatullah. The other position, which was favored by Ibn Kathir rahimahullah, is that both descriptions refer to the Ummah of the Prophet And the previous ones are the early generations amongst the Muslims, the companions, and the generations that Allah honored, which are the first three generations, as mentioned in that hadith. And everyone else then is from the latter. And Ibn Kathir rahimahullah says, the reason for that is because our Ummah is better than every Ummah. So therefore it stands to reason that we are the majority of those people. And the other scholars say that it's not about numbers, it is about terms of nations, the majority of nations that came before, meaning that it is from those nations that you will have the people who are from the early ones. And our nation is only one nation and we came towards the end. And Allah Azza wa knows best. On sumptuous woven couches inlaid with golden gems. مُتَّكِئِينَ عَلَيْهَا مُتَقَابِلِينَ Reclining on them face to face. يَطُوفُ عَلَيْهِمْ وِلْدَانٌ مُخَلَّدُونَ Ageless youths will circulate amongst them, meaning young servants who do not age. بِأَكْوَابٍ وَأَبَارِيقَ وَكَأْسٍ مِّنْ مَعِينَ Carrying goblets and decanters, i.e. the former are vessels with no handles, and the latter vessels with the nose or spouts and handles to hold them by, and a cup from a flowing spring. Which never stops. لا يصدعون عنها ولا ينزفون. It does not give them any headache, nor does it leave them stupefied. 
They do not get a headache from it, nor does their intellect become disturbed, as is the case with wine in this world. In verse number 19, the alternative reading is Yunzafun with a Fatha, Yunzafun. Yunzifun is the recitation of Asim and Hamza and Ali and Khalaf, and everyone else does it with the Fatha. And any fruit they specify. And any bird meat they desire. And dark eyed maidens, girls with very large dark eyes. Like hidden pearls. As recompense for what they did. They will hear no prattling it, either God nor any word of wrong, meaning coarse language which is sinful. All that is said is peace, peace. That is all they will hear there. And the companions of the right. What are the companions of the right? Amid thornless low trees. I.e. low trees in this world have thorns. And fruit laden acacias. Also said to be banana trees, which will be full of fruit from top to bottom. In verse 29, the opinion of the majority of the scholars of tafsir is that it refers to a banana tree and the banana leaves. That is the position of the majority of the scholars of tafsir. And widespreading constant shade. And constantly outpouring water. And fruits in abundance. Never failing at any time unrestricted, i.e., not costing anything. In verse 33, they are not failing, meaning that they never cease to exist. Those fruits don't ever go out of season. They are not restricted. Al Mahalli says by cost, but there is no cost in Jannah. The majority of the scholars say that they are not restricted, meaning that they will never be out of reach. They are not restricted by height because in the dunya certain fruits and certain trees are high. You need a ladder, you need something to get up there and pluck the fruit. In Jannah, the fruit will come to you. So it is not restricted. And on elevated couches. We have brought maidens to being, meaning holies who are created without being born. In verse 35, this is what I was referring to before, and that is that the scholars differ concerning these women. Are they the Hurul Ain? Because when Allah speaks about the Hurul Ain, He calls them Hurul Ain. Or does this refer to the believing women? Inna ansha'nahunna insha'a. It doesn't mean that we brought maidens into being, it means that we will give them another rebirth. We will create them just as the men will be at a single age and they will have the height of Adam and likewise the women of Jannah also from the believing women. And this is the position that was chosen by a number of the scholars including Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shaqiti rahimahullah ta'ala that the women that are being referred to here that Allah Azza wa Jal is referring to in this surah is the believing women. And that is because Allah Azza wa Jal says that they will be virgins. Allah Azza wa Jal will make them virgins and Allah will make them a single age and so this is referring to the women of Jannah because it is mentioned in the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha uh, an example of actually how the Prophet used to joke sometimes Aisha radiallahu anha says that an old woman came to the Prophet and said, O Messenger of Allah, make dua for me that Allah enters me into Jannah the Prophet said, there's no old women in Jannah so the woman left and she was upset she's asking for dua and the Prophet said, there's no old women allowed in Jannah and so he called her back and he said, what I mean is 
that the women of Jannah are young in age. Not that you can't get into Jannah, but that Allah Azza wa will make the women of Jannah young in age. And that is what the Prophet was referring to. And Allah Azza wa knows best. فَجَعَلْنَا هُنَّ أَبَكَارًا Made them purest virgins. I.e. whenever their husbands come to them, they find them virgins. رُرُبًا أَتْرَابًا Devoted passionate towards their spouses of like age. And the other reading is Urb, with a, with a sukoon on the Ra, which is the reading of Shu'bah and Hamza and Khalaf. لِأَصْحَابِ الْيَمِينَ Appointed for the companions of the rights. ثُلَّةٌ مِّنَ الْأَوَّلِينَ A large group of the earlier people. وَثُلَّةٌ مِّنَ الْآخِرِينَ And a large group of the later ones. وَأَصْحَابُ الشِّمَالِ مَا أَصْحَابُ الشِّمَالِ And the companions of the left. What are the companions of the left? فِي سَمُومٍ وَحَمِيمٍ Amid serial blasts. I.e. the word used here is the moon is a wind of intense heat and scalded water. And the murk of thick black smoke. Providing no coolness, i.e. which other kinds of shade do, and no pleasure when you see it. Before that, in this world, they were living in luxury, meaning in great affluence, but did not bother themselves with the vain Allah. وَكَانُوا يُصِرُّونَ عَلَى الْحِنْثِ الْعَظِيمِ Assisting in immense wrongdoing, i.e. wrong actions and shirk. وَكَانُوا يَقُولُونَ أَيْذَا مِتْنَا وَكُنَّا تُرَابًا وَعِظَامًا أَإِنَّا لَمَبْعُوثُونَ And saying, when we are dead and turned to dust and bones, shall we then be raised again? أَوَآبَاؤُنَا الْأَوَّلُونَ And our forefathers, the earlier peoples, the question means that they think that it is unlikely. قُلْ إِنَّ الْأَوَّلِينَ وَالْآخِرِينَ Say, the earlier and later peoples لَمَجْمُعُونَ إِلَى مِيقَاتِ يَوْمٍ مَعْلُومٍ Will certainly all be gathered to the appointment of a specified day, i.e. the day arising. ثُمَّ إِنَّكُمْ أَيُّهَا الضَّالُّونَ الْمُكَذِّبُونَ Then you, you misguided, you deniers. لَآكِلُونَ مِنْ شَجَرٍ مِنْ زَقُّومٍ will eat from the tree of Zaqum. فَمَالِئُونَ مِنْهَا الْبُطُونَ Filling your stomachs with it. فَشَارِبُونَ عَلَيْهِ مِنَ الْحَمِيمِ Dripping scald water to the Meaning those who eat from Zaqum will also drink boiling water. فَشَارِبُونَ شُرْبَ الْهِيمِ Slurping, like thirst, crazed camels. The word for thirst, crazed camels, is heem, is the plural of hayyam, which means a camel suffering from a disease that makes it madly thirsty. And the other reading is sharb. The other reading is sharb, which is from the readings of Ibn Kathir and Abu Amr and others. This will be the hospitality prepared for them from the day of judgment. We created you, so why do you not confirm the truth? We brought you into existence from an existence. Why then do you not believe in the resurrection, since the one who is able to originate is certainly able to regenerate? Have you thought about the sperm that you ejaculate, i.e. which settles into the wombs of women, wombs of women? أَأَنْتُمْ تَخْلُقُونَهُ أَمْ نَحْنُ الْخَالِقُونَ Is it you who created it? Is it you who created it, meaning sperm? Or are we the creator? نَحْنُ قَدَّرْنَا بَيْنَكُمُ الْمَوْتَ وَمَا نَحْنُ بِمَسْبُوقِينَ We have decreed death for you, and we will not be forestalled. I, and no one can escape us. And the alternative reading of verse 60 is Qadarna, without the Shadda, which is the reading of Ibn Kathir. In replacing you with others the same as you, and reforming you in a way you know nothing about. 
i.e. other forms like monkeys and pigs. وَلَقَدْ عَلِمْتُمُ النَّشْأَةَ الْأُولَى فَلَوْ لَا تَذَكَّرُونَ You have known the first formation. So when you're not baheed. And the other reading as we mentioned is Nasha'a, which is the reading of Ibn Kathir and Abu Amr. أَفَرَأَيْتُمْ مَا تَحْرُثُونَ Have you thought about what you cultivate? I.e. the land you plow and put your seeds into. أَأَنْتُمْ تَزْرَعُونَهُ أَمْ نَحْنُ الزَّارِعُونَ Is it you who make it germinate and grow? Or are we the germinator? If we wished, we could have made it broken stubble, meaning dry, broken chaff with no grain in it. We would then be left devoid of crops, distraught, stunned and distressed by that, and say, We are ruined, in debt for what we spent on our crops. In fact, we are destitute. We have no provision at all. أَفَرَأَيْتُمُ الْمَاءَ الَّذِي تَشْرَبُونَ Have you thought about the water that you drink? أَأَنْتُمْ أَنْزَلْتُمُوهُ مِنَ الْمُزْنِ أَمْ نَحْنُ الْمُنْزِنُونَ Is it you who sent it down from the clouds, or are we the sender? لَوْ نَشَاءُ جَعَلْنَاهُ جَاجًا فَلَوْ لَا تَشْكُرُونَ If we wished, we could have made it bitter, i.e. so salty that it cannot be drunk. So will you not give thanks? أَفَرَأَيْتُمُ النَّارَ الَّتِي تُورُونَ have you thought about the fire that you light? The fire which comes from the green trees whose wood is used as fire lighter. Is it you who make the trees that fuel its growth? Or are we the grower? We have made it to be a reminder for fire and a comfort for travellers in the world. Meaning a means of warmth and light for those travelling in places where there are neither plants nor water. So glorify the name of your Lord, the Magnificent. Proclaim Allah to be pure from any association. No, I swear by the falling, i.e. setting of the stars. In verse 75, Allah says, I swear by the falling of the stars. And this is another example of where Sheikh Shafiqi says that the oath that is being taken here is not by the stars but by the Quran. And the star again is because the Quran is munajjam, it is scattered, it was revealed in a place, in a piecemeal fashion. And so he takes a position that it is the stars and he says because the rest of the verses now will speak about the Quran. It is about the Quran. So the oath is about the Quran as well and that is the position that he takes. Allah says, I do not swear an oath. What is the lamb for? The lamb. Normally when Allah takes an oath there is no lamb. Why does Allah mention the lamb here? The lamb and it will come elsewhere in the Quran, La uqsimu bihadir balad and so on, La uqsimu biyawm al qiyamah. What is the lamb for which normally means no? It has a number of functions that it could have. Number one is that it is there simply for the speech. One of the methods of eloquence amongst the Arabs is that they would add the lamb. For example, when Allah says, Fala wa rabbika la yu'minun. And know by your Lord they do not believe. So it is part of the qasam. The lamb is part of the qasam. And it doesn't literally mean no to negate the qasam. It is one of the forms of making an oath in the Arabic language. The other meaning that is mentioned by a number of the scholars is that Allah negates something before he takes the oath. So the no is the no. It is not as you claim that the Quran is sorcery, that the Quran is, is poetry, that the Quran is the sayings of a soothsayer or a fortune teller. Rather Allah takes an oath by it to show his truthfulness. So the no is to negate the evil or the false beliefs that people had concerning it. لا أقسم بيوم القيامة No, it is not as you claim that there will be no day of judgment. And Allah takes an oath by it. And so on. 
and that is the meaning of it according to other scholars and Allah knows best. And that is and that is a mighty oath if you only knew. I swear by that is an element of if you were someone with knowledge you would have known that. It I what is recited to you truly is a noble Quran. في كتاب مكنون. In a well-protected book, I written and safeguarded, referring to bound copies of the Quran. And that is one position that the book that is being referred to is the Quran. Another position is that it refers to the لوح المحفوظ, the preserved tablet. Another position is, as Chosen Ibn Qayyim, is that it is the books and the records that are in the hands of the angels. That is what is being referred to, and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. لا يمسو إلا المطهرون. No one may touch it except the purified. Meaning, this is a prohibition. Those who have purified themselves of minor impurities are the only ones who touch copies of the Quran. And that is based, therefore, 79, verse 79, on the tafsir that it is the Quran. If we say that the book that Allah is referring to, which is the preserved and protected book, is the Quran, then no one should touch it except the pure meaning in a state of wudu. But if you take the other position, which is the position of Ibn Taymiyyah, Ibn Qayyim, and others, that what is being referred to is what the angels have the preserved tablet, all what the records that the angels have in their hands, then none touched except those who are pure, meaning that the angels are the ones who only touch that, and it's referring to the angels. But irrespectively, the scholars still use this verse as a evidence that a person who touches the physical Qur'an should be in a state of wudu. Not just to read the Qur'an from memory, or if it's on an iPad, or if it's a tafsir book that has the Qur'an and other than the Qur'an in it, but the actual mushaf then you should be in a state of wudu. And Ibn Qayyim ta'ala, says that even though the verse is about the angels, it shows that the angels honor the speech of Allah Azza wa because they are pure when they touch it. So therefore the humans should afford the same level of respect and honor to the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Revelation sent down from the Lord of all worlds, referring to Allah. أَفَبِهَذَا الْحَدِيثِ أَنْتُمْ مُدْهِنُونَ Do you nonetheless regard this discourse, i.e. the Qur'an, scorn, meaning disdaining it and denying it? وَتَجْعَلُونَ رِزْقَكُمْ أَنَّكُمْ تُكَذِّبُونَ And think your provision depends on your denial of the truth. Do you make your gratitude for rain and denial of Allah by saying that the rain occurs through the setting of a certain star? In verse 82, I think it is a mistranslation. وَتَجْعَلُونَ رِزْقَكُمْ أَنَّكُمْ تُكَذِّبُونَ And think your provision depends on your denial of the truth. The meaning is, do you think that Allah still provides for you despite your rejection of Him? Do you think that Allah will continue or that Allah provides for you and in turn you disbelieve in Him? That Allah continues to provide for you and in turn you repay that by disbelieving in Him. As mentioned by Shaykh Abdurrahman ibn Sa'di rahimahullahu ta'ala. فَلَوْلَا إِذَا بَلَغَتِ الْحُلْقُومُ why then, when death reaches his throat, are you in a person's soul, arising at the moment of being wrenched from the body? And you are at that moment looking on, meaning present, the dying person. And we are nearer him, I through our knowledge, than you, but you cannot see. In verse 85, that is one tafsir, the position of Ibn Taymiyyah, and Ibn Qayyim, and Ibn Kathir, and others, as we mentioned in the verse in Surah Qaf, is that it refers to the angels. We are nearer to him. The we is not a capital we, the royal we of Allah It is the we as in we have sent the angels to be nearer to him. And Allah knows best. Why then, if you are not subject to our command, are you not subject to account when you are resurrected as you claim?
تَرْجِعُونَهَا إِن كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ Do not send it back, meaning return the spirit to the body after it reaches the throat. If you are telling the truth, you will not bring it back, in spite of the fact that you deny the resurrection and claim not to be subject to Allah's command. فَأَمَّا إِن كَانَ مِنَ الْمُقَرَّبِينَ But the truth is that if he, meaning the dead person, is one of those brought near. I think a better translation of that verse, verse number 88, is you don't need the truth. Allah doesn't mention anything about the truth. The truth is from the last verse, if you are telling the truth. I think that is a typo. فَمَّا إِن كَانَ مِنَ الْمُقَرَّبِينَ And if he is one of those who is brought near. فَرَوْحُ وَرَيْحَانُ وَجَنَّةُ نَعِيمُ there is solace, are you rest and sweetness, are you good provision and a garden of delight? And if he is one of the companions of the right, peace be upon you, the companions of the right, are you safety from the punishment, is what they say to him. And if he is one, if he is one of the misguided deniers, فَنُزُلٌ مِّنْ حَمِيمٌ There is hospitality of scalding water وَتَصْلِيَةُ جَحِيمٌ And roasting in the blazing fire إِنَّ هَذَا لَهُوَ حَقُّ الْيَقِينَ This is indeed the truth of certainty فَسَبِّحْ بِاسْمِ رَبِّكَ الْعَظِيمُ So glorify the name of your Lord, Magnificent. No. 57. Surah Al-Hadith, Ayah This surah is Medinan and has 29 ayats. This is the 57th surah of the Qur'an and the last surah in the 27th juz and it is Surah Al-Hadith. And it is a surah that then begins with a number of surahs that will have the same beginning, and that is the praise and the glorification of Allah. Sabbaha lillah. Or in some of them, yusabbihu lillah. And they will continue from this surah up until towards the end of the 28th juz of the Quran. It has 29 verses in the surah, and it is a Madani surah according to all of the scholars of Tafsir, as Al Qurtubi rahimahullah mentions. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. سبح لله ما في السماوات والأرض وهو العزيز الحكيم. Everything in the heavens and the earth glorifies Allah. He is exalted beyond association with anything. He is the Almighty in His kingdom. The All Wise in everything He does. له ملك السماوات والأرض يحيي ويميت وهو على كل شيء قدير. The kingdom of the heavens and the earth belongs to Him. He gives life by originating it and causes to die after that. He has power over all things. He is the first, I before everything without beginning, and the last, I after everything without end. The outward, meaning manifest through evidence which indicates him, and the inward, I hidden from the perception of the senses. He has knowledge of all things. In verse number three, these are the names of Allah Azza Al Awwal, the first, there is nothing before him. Al Akhir, the last, there will be nothing after him. Al-Zahir, these are from the du'as that the Prophet used to make. Al-Zahiru falisa fawqaka shay. Wanta al-Baatiru falisa dunaka shay. You are, O Allah Azza wa Jal, al-Zahir, there is none above you. Wal-Baatin, there is nothing beneath you. Meaning, that there is nothing above Allah's knowledge, meaning above Him. There is nothing that Allah Azza wa Jal is above Him, beyond His knowledge. No, nothing beneath Him that He is unaware of, from knowledge. So the meaning of the word, the names of Allah Azza wa Jal, Al-Zahir al-Batin, refers to the knowledge of Allah, that He encompasses all types of knowledge. Nothing above Him that He is unaware of, nothing beneath Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, that He is unaware of, as Imam al-Bukhari mentioned in his Sahih. هُوَ الَّذِي خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ فِي سِتَّةِ أَيَّامٍ ثُمَّ اسْتَوَى عَلَى الْعَرْشِ 
يعلم ما يرج في الأرض وما يخرج منها وما ينزل من السماء وما يعرج فيها وهو معكم أينما كنتم الله بما تعملون بصير Is this he who created the heavens and the earth in six days, i.e. the days of this world, the first of which is Sunday and the last Friday, and established himself firmly on the throne, i.e. in a manner appropriate to him. He knows what goes into the earth, meaning such as rain and the dead, and what comes out of it, i.e. such as plants and minerals, what comes down from heaven, i.e. such as mercy and punishment, and what goes up into it, regarding such as righteous actions and evil actions. He is with you wherever you are by his knowledge. Allah sees what you do. له ملك السماوات والأرض وإلى الله ترجع الأمور. The kingdom of the heavens and the earth belongs to him. All existent things return to Allah. يولج الليل في النهار ويولج النهار في الليل وهو عليم بذات الصدور. He makes night merging today, meaning and it becomes longer and shorter, and day merging tonight, i.e. and it also becomes longer and shorter. He knows what the heart contains by way of secrets and creeds. آمنوا بالله ورسوله وأنفقوا مما جعلكم مستخلفين فيه فالذين آمنوا منكم وأنفقوا لهم أجر كبير. Believe, believe in Allah and His Messenger. Meaning persist in your belief and give, i.e., spend in the way of Allah, of that wealth to which He has made you successors after those before you. This was revealed about the expedition of hardship which was the Tabuk expedition. Those of you who believe and give, will have an immense reward. The one who spent most was Uthman In verse number 7, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about those people who have Iman. There is a beautiful hadith that is written in Sahih al-Bukhari. And Prophet said to uh, his companions one day, who are the most amazing believers? They said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, the most amazing believers are the angels. The Prophet said, and why shouldn't the angels believe when they are with Allah? Meaning they see Allah, they know that Allah is there. Why would they disbelieve? So then they said, okay, O Messenger of Allah, it is the Prophets. He said, and why would the Prophets disbelieve when Allah sends them revelation? They get revelation directly from Allah. What cause do they have to disbelieve? They said, okay, O Messenger of Allah, it is us, meaning the companions. The Prophet said, and why would you disbelieve when I am amongst you and you see revelation coming to you? They said, then who is it, O Messenger of Allah? He said, it is people who will come after us that will believe in what I give to them. And that is from the beauty and the, and the virtues that Allah Azza wa has given to those people who will come after the time of the companions radiyallahu anhum ajma'een. From those people who believe, who never saw the Prophet Sallallahu and never saw and witnessed revelation and didn't see his miracles. But we believe in what is all sent to him. And we have that iman. And for that Allah Azza wa gives those people a great reward. وَمَا لَكُمْ لَا تُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَمَا لَكُمْ لَا تُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَالرَّسُولُ يَدْعُوكُمْ لِتُؤْمِنُوا بِرَبِّكُمْ وَقَدْ أَخَذَ مِيثَاقَكُمْ إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ And what is the matter with you? With you, I address to the unbelievers that you not believe in Allah, meaning what prevents you from believing. When the Messenger calls you to believe in your Lord and he has made a covenant with you, i.e. in the world of atoms, when he made them, i.e. all of humanity witness against themselves. Am I not your Lord? If you are believers, if you desire to believe in him, then make haste to do so. And the alternative reading of Akhada is Uqhida, which is the reading of Abu Amr. It is he who sends down clear signs of the Quran to his slave to bring you out of the darkness of unbelief to the light of faith. Allah is all gentle with you, most merciful in doing that for you. 
وما لكم ألا تنفقوا في سبيل الله ولله ميراث السماوات والأرض لا يستوي منكم من أنفق من قبل الفتح وقاتل أولئك أعظم درجة من الذين أنفقوا من بعد وقاتلوا وكلا وعد الله الحسنى والله بما تعملون خبير And how is it with you that after believing you do not give in the way of Allah when the inheritance of the heavens and the earth i.e. everything in them belongs to Allah everything in the heavens and the earth will go back to him and so your property will reach him without you having any reward for spending it there is a reward for what you do spend those of you who gave and fought before the victory i.e. the conquest of Mecca are not the same as those who gave and fought afterwards they are higher in rank but to each of them, meaning the two groups Allah has promised the best, meaning the God Allah is aware of what you do and will repay you for your actions and in verse number 10 we see another Categorization of the companions, as we said before, the best of the companions of the four Khulafa, then the ten promised paradise, and the people of Badr. And in Surah Al Fath, we took from them the next category, and that is the people who made the Pledge of Allegiance of the Duman. And now this is another category that those who come before the conquest are better than those after the conquest of Mecca, meaning in terms of their virtue because of what they spent and did in the path of Allah Azza wa Jal. من ذا الذي يقرض الله قرضا حسنا فيضاعفه له وله أجر كريم. Who make good loan to Allah by spending their property in the way of Allah so that He may multiply it for him from ten times to more than seven hundred times, as is mentioned in Surah Al-Baqarah. He will also have a generous reward which is coupled with Allah's pleasure and acceptance by him. And the alternate reading in verse eleven is فيضاعفه, which is the reading of Ibn Kathir and Abu Ja'far. يَوْمَ تَرَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ يَسْعَى نُورُهُمْ بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَبِأَيْمَانِهِمْ بُشْرَاكُمُ الْيَوْمَ بُشْرَاكُمُ الْيَوْمَ جَنَّاتٌ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارُ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا ذَلِكَ هُوَ الْفَوْزُ الْعَظِيمُ On the day you see the men and women of the believers with their light streaming out in front of them and to the right they will be told good news for you today of gardens meaning admission to them with rivers flowing under them Remaining in them timelessly forever, that is the great victory. And as Allah mentioned in verse 12, the people of Jannah, the people on that day will be given light according to the level of their Iman and their righteous deeds. So some of them will have an extremely bright light, and others from amongst them will have a dim light, and others will have a flashing light. It opens, it turns on, and it turns off. And so that light is on a day in which there will be complete darkness, and it will be used to traverse the bridge that Allah will place over the fire. So those that will have the strongest light will be those who will pass the bridge in the quickest of times. As the Prophet said, some of them in the blink of an eye and some of them like lightning and some of them like a fast blowing wind. And then some of them run and some of them walk and some of them crawl and some of them their light will flash. Meaning when it comes on they take a step and when it goes off they wait not knowing whether that light will come on again. يَوْمَ يَقُولُ الْمُنَافِقُونَ وَالْمُنَافِقَاتُ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا انظُرُونَا نَقْتَمِسْ مِن نُورِكُمْ قِيلَ ارْجِعُوا وَرَاءَكُمْ فَالْتَمِسُوا نُورًا فَضُرِبَ بَيْنَهُمْ بِسُورٍ لَهُ بَابٌ بَاطِنُهُ فِيهِ الرَّحْمَةُ بَابٌ فَضُرِبَ بَيْنَهُمْ بِسُورٍ لَهُ بَابٌ بَاطِنُهُ فِيهِ الرَّحْمَةُ وَظَاهِرُهُ مِنْ قِبَلِهِ الْعَذَابُ that day, the men and women of the hypocrites will say to those who believe, Wait for us, for us so that we may borrow some of your light. Let us have a brand from your light. It will be told in mockery, Go back and look for light. Then they will go back and the wall, i.e. said to be the wall of the ramparts, say Surah Al-Araf, will be erected between them. 
and the believers were negated on the side on the inside of which are you facing the believers there will be mercy but before whose exterior are you facing the hypocrites lies the punishment and that will be for the hypocrites they will have no light so they will attempt to take the light of the believers and they will be told to go back and when they go back to seek their own light Allah will place a wall between them and whether it is the Araf that Allah mentioned in Surah Al-Araf the ramparts or not Allah Azza knows best but they will have nothing left because of their disbelief in this world and the alternate reading of Unduruna is Unduruna which is the reading of Hamza Yunadunahum alam nakum ma'akum qalu bala walakinnakum fatantum anfusakum matarabbastum martabatum magharratkum al-amani وغرتكم الأماني حتى جاء أمر الله وغركم بالله الغرور. They will call out to them, were we not with you, Nabians? They will reply, indeed you were, but you made trouble for yourselves by hypocrisy and hung back to wait for disasters to befall, to befall the believers and doubted the deen of Islam and false hopes to lose you until Allah's commands, until Allah's command, meaning death, arrived. The deluder, meaning Shaytan, deluded you about Allah. فَالْيَوْمَ لَا يُؤْخَذُ مِنْكُمْ فِدِيَةٌ وَلَا مِنَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مَأْوَاكُمُ النَّارُ هِيَ مَوْلَاكُمْ وَبِئْسَ الْمَصِيرُ So today, no ransom will be accepted from you or from those who disbelieved. Your refuge is the fire. It is your master. What an evil destination. And the other alternate reading of verse 15 is تُؤْخَذُ يُؤْخَذُ and تُؤْخَذُ تُؤْخَذُ is the reading of Ibn Amir and Abu Ja'far and Yaqub. أَلَمْ يَأْنِ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَن تَخْشَعَ قُلُوبُهُمْ لِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ وَمَا نَزَلَ مِنَ الْحَقِّ وَلَا يَكُونُوا وَلَا يَكُونُوا كَالَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ مِنْ قَبْلُ فَطَالَ عَلَيْهِمُ الْأَمَدُ فَقَسَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ وَكَثِيرٌ مِنْهُمْ فَاسِقُونَ This was revealed about the companions when they joked a lot. Has the time not arrived for the hearts of those who believe to yield to the remembrance of Allah and to the truth, meaning the Quran? He has sent down so that they will not be like those who were given the book before, i.e. the Jews and the Christians. For whom the time seemed over long between them and the prophets, so that their hearts became hard and did not yield to the remembrance of Allah. Many of them are deviators. In verse number 16, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Has not the time come for those whose hearts have iman that they should fear Allah? And the cause of revelation given here by the author, Allah knows best about its authenticity. But what is authentically reported is the narration of Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu sahih Muslim in which he said, that the time between the beginning of Islam and the revelation of this verse was four years. And that's why some of the scholars said that this verse is the exception to the surah being a Madani surah. And that is that this verse, he says, the time between the beginning of Islam and the revelation of this verse was four years. That Allah told them to have iman and khushu' and fear of Allah in their hearts. And this is the verse that it is said that Al-Fudayl ibn Iyad, the famous scholar of the Salaf heard, who before he became a scholar was a highway bandit, a thief and a robber, to the extent that he was so notorious that people when they would travel in his land, they would say don't travel by night, because this is the land of Fudayl. It is said that as he went to steal one day and he climbed on a wall to enter into someone's property, he heard someone pray Qiyamul Layl, and they were reciting this verse and it stopped him in his tracks and he made them cry, so he left. And he went and he made tawbah to Allah and started to seek knowledge until he became from the great scholars of his time, rahimahullah ta'ala. اعلموا أن الله يحيي الأرض بعد موتها قد بينا لكم الآيات لعلكم تعقنون. This is addressed to the believers already mentioned. Know that Allah brings the earth to life after it has been dead, i.e., through the growth of plant life, and so He can also do that through your hearts and make them return to humility. We have made the signs clear to you. 
i.e. indicating our power to do this and other things. So that hopeful hope, so that hopefully you will you will use your intellect you will use your intellect. The men and women who give sadaqah and make good loan to Allah shall have it increased for them and they shall have a generous reward. And the alternate reading is of musaddiqina without the shad and the sad, musaddiqina and musaddiqat, which is the reading of Shu'bah and Ibn Kathir. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِاللَّهِ وَرُسُلِهِ أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الصِّدِّيقُونَ وَالشُّهَدَاءُ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ لَهُمْ أَجْرُهُمْ وَنُورُهُمْ وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا وَكَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِنَا أُولَٰئِكَ أَصْحَابُ الْجَحِيمِ Those who believe in Allah and His messengers, such people are the trees and seer and the martyrs, i.e. the word for martyrs, shuhada, can also be witnesses, meaning that they will bear witness against those nations who disbelieved. Who are with their Lord will receive, who are with their Lord will receive their wages and their light. But those who disbelieve and deny our signs, indicating our unity, will be companions of a blazing fire. And the scholars differ therefore as to the meaning in verse 19 of the shuhada. Shuhada, martyrs or shuhada as in witnesses. And what seems more apparent is that it is martyrs because Allah mentions them in the context of prophets and the siddiqeen. فَأُولَٰئِكَ مَعَ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ النَّبِيِّينَ وَالصِّدِّيقِينَ وَالشُّهَدَاءِ وَالصَّالِحِينَ And Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. اعلموا أنما الحياة الدنيا لعب ولهو وزينة وتفاخر بينكم وتكاثر في الأموال والأولاد كمثل غيث نعجم الكفار نباته ثم يهيج فتراه مصفرا ثم يكون حطاما وفي الآخرة عذاب شديد ومغفرة من الله ورضوان وما الحياة الدنيا إلا متاع الغرور. No, the life of this world is merely a game and a diversion and ostentation and a cause of boasting amongst yourselves and being preoccupied with trying to outdo one another in wealth and children while acts of obedience and whatever helps them are matters of the next world. An example of the extraordinary nature of this world like the plant growth after rain, which delights the cultivators, but then it withers, and you see it turning yellow, and then it becomes broken stubble, i.e. chaff, which is blown in the wind. In the next world, there is a terrible punishment for the people who prefer this world to it, but also forgiveness from Allah and His good pleasure for those who do not prefer this world to the next. The enjoyment of the life of this world is nothing but, is nothing but the enjoyment of passing delusion. سابقوا إلى مغفرة من ربكم وجنة عرضها كعرض السماء والأرض أعدت للذين آمنوا بالله ورسله ذلك فضل الله يؤتيه من يشاء والله ذو الفضل العظيم. Raise each other to forgiveness from your Lord and to a garden whose breadth is like that of heaven, is like that of heaven, meaning all seven heavens. And hath combined, made ready for those who believe in Allah and His messengers. That is Allah's favor which He gives to those He wills. And Allah's favor is indeed immense. And verse 21 is similar to a verse that we mentioned in Surah Ali Imran, in which Allah Azza wa says, وَسَارِعُوا Hasten. And here Allah says, سَابِقُوا Which means waste one another. And both of them are similar in meaning. And that is what Allah Azza wa wants us to work for in the dunya. Our dunya should be a time when we race and compete with one another, not for materialism and dunya and other things, jobs and wealth and so on. It is to race with one another and encourage therefore one another to turn to Allah Azza wa Jalla and race for His reward. 
ما أصاب من مصيبة في الأرض ولا في أنفسكم إلا في كتاب من قبل أن نبرأها إن ذلك على الله يسير. Nothing occurs either in the earth, ice or drought, or in yourselves, ice or illness and loss of children, without its being in a book, meaning the preserved tablet, before we create it and make it happen. The same is true of blessings. That is something easy for Allah. لكي لا تأسوا على ما فاتكم ولا تفرحوا بما آتاكم الله لا يحب كل مختال فخور. That is so that you may not be grieved and troubled about the things that pass you by or exult arrogantly about the things, i.e., blessings that come to you. Rather, you should be joyful and thankful for any blessing you have received. Allah does not love any vain or boastful man who exalts in what he has been given and boasts people about it. الذين يبخلون ويأمرون الناس بالبخل ومن يتول فإن الله هو الغني الحميد. Those who are tight-fisted, are you reluctant to give what is mandatory for them to give and tell others to be tight-fisted? This is a strong threat. If anyone turns away from what is obligatory for him, Allah is the rich beyond need. Of others, the praiseworthy. لقد أرسلنا رسلنا بالبينات وأنزلنا معهم الكتاب والميزان ليقوم الناس بالقسط وأنزلنا الحديد فيه بأس شديد ومنافع للناس وليعلم الله من ينصره ورسله بالغيب إن الله قوي عزيز with the clear signs, i.e. definitive proofs, and set them in the book, meaning divine and revealed, revealed books in general, and the balance, i.e. justice, with them, so that mankind might establish justice. And we set down iron for mines in which their lives break forth, with which we fight, and which has many uses for mankind, so that Allah might know by direct witnessing those who help him, meaning his deen, with iron, weapons of war, and other things, and his messengers that they unseen. He sees them, although they do not see him in this world. Ibn Abbas, said they believe even Abbas said they believe him but do not see him they help him they help him but do not see him Allah is all strong almighty he has no need of help but it benefits the one who gives it وَلَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا نُوحًا وَإِبْرَاهِيمَ وَجَعَلْنَا فِي ذُرِّيَّتِهِمَ النُّبُوَّةَ وَالْكِتَابَ فَمِنْهُمْ مُهْتَدٍ وَكَثِيرٌ مِّنْهُمْ فَاسِقُونَ we sent Nuh and Ibrahim and placed prophethood in the book i.e. in the form of the Torah the Gospel and the Palms and the Furqan amongst their, descend- amongst, their- amongst their descendants some of them are guided but many of them are deviators and Allah Azza wa mentions these two prophets as we mentioned before in the Quran because every other prophet will be from their descendants Ibrahim salam, every prophet comes be- from his descendants after him but prophets like Lut and Hud and Salih and others come before him so Allah Azza wa mentions Nuh and the revelations are the Torah the Gospel meaning the Injil the Psalms meaning the Zabur and the Furqan ثم قفينا على آثارهم برسلنا وقفينا بعيسى بن مريم وآتيناه الإنجيل وجعلنا وجعلنا في قلوب الذين اتبعوه رأفة ورحمة ورهبانية ابتدعوها ما كتبناها عليهم ما كتبناها عليهم إلا ابتغاء رضوان الله فما رعوها حق رعايتها فَآتَيْنَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مِنْهُمْ أَجَرَهُمْ وَكَثِيرٌ مِّنْهُمْ فَاسِقُونَ Then we sent our messengers following in their footsteps and sent Isa son of Maryam after them, giving 
giving him the gospel before compassion and mercy in the hearts of those who followed him. And he invented monasticism themselves, rejecting women and moving into hermitage, hermitages. We did not prescribe it for them, meaning they did it purely out of desire to gain the pleasure of Allah. But even so, they did not observe it as it should have been observed. Many of them left it, rejected the deen of Isa, and joined the deen of their king, while many did remain in the deen of Isa and believed in our Prophet. To those of, to those of them who believed, he gave the reward, but many of them were deviators. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu attaqullaha wa aminu birasoolihi yu'tikum kiflaini min rahmatihi wa yaj'al lakum nooran tamshuna bihi wa yaghfir lakum wallahu ghafoorur raheem You who believe in Isa, be fearful of Allah and believe in the Messenger, i.e. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Isa, he will give you a double portion, portion of his mercy i.e. because you believed in both prophets and grant you a light by which to walk on the path and forgive you. Allah is ever forgiving, most merciful. In verse 28, the scholars differ. Is this verse referring to the people of Isa salam, as the author says, O you who believe, meaning in Isa. So therefore it's not referring to the Muslims, it's referring to the people of the book. Or does it refer to us? And the correct position on Allah knows best and the one chosen by Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shawqiti is that it is this Ummah. Because when Allah in the Quran addresses the people of Iman, He addresses the Mu'mineen. They are the people of this Ummah. And Allah never addresses the people of the book as the people of Iman. But rather He calls them the people of the scriptures. And so therefore it is referring to the people of this religion. And Allah knows best. I inform you of that to the people of the book, I am Torah, who do not believe in Muhammad sallallahu may know that they have no power at all over any of Allah's favors, of any of Allah's favor. I, and it is not true as they have claimed that they were the ones, that they were the ones whom Allah loved and those with whom He was pleased. And as all favor is in the hand of Allah, He gives it to anyone He wills. So the believers among them are given their own twice over. Allah's favor is indeed immense. And with that we come to the end of the tafsir of Surah Al-Hadid and therefore the end of the 27th juz of the Qur'an and therefore at the end of today's session. وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَى مُحَمَّدُ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ دَعْوَانًا This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.